Welcome to Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. Here's your host, Ben Wilson. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Ben and Rodney. I'm your host, Ben Wilson, and my bulldog, Rodney, is beside me as usual. And today, we're having another special wrestling podcast with my friends, Scott Tudor and Christian Miscagney. And we're doing a March Madness 80s and 90s tag team tournament. Since due to the coronavirus, we have no March Madness basketball to watch, and it's given me a lot of time to actually catch up on my wrestling and realize how great tag team wrestling was in the 80s and 90s. So first off, I want to welcome back Christian Miscagney. So Christian, thanks for coming back on the show. Happy to be here. The champion is always happy to grace your podcast universe with his presence. Thanks, and my usual faithful buddy on this podcast Scott Tudor. Scott, welcome back. Good morning, and I'm excited to break down the tag team tournament. I think this is a, maybe the best episode we're going to do. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I tell you what, one thing I realized is going back and researching these teams, which I remember almost all of them, but looking back at some of the old matches on YouTube and WWE Network and things like that, just how great the tag teams were in the 80s and, and 90s, but especially the 80s. So I'm really looking forward to this. So for those at home, here's how we're doing this tournament. We have 64 teams in this bracket, just like the NCAA tournament. We have four brackets, with each bracket having 16 seeds. And I've kind of done my brackets based on the first two brackets being power teams and the third and fourth bracket being teams that were really more like speed and skill or like with a speed guy and then a really big guy. So let me first read off the brackets, and then we'll get into the analysis. So bracket one. The number one seed is the Road Warriors, and they're against the 16th seed, the Destruction Crew, Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom from the AWA. The eighth seed in this bracket is Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes versus the ninth seed, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. The five seed in this bracket, the New Age Outlaws with the Road Dog, Jesse James, and the Badass Billy Gunn. And the 12th seed are the Sheep Herders who for some who may know this team also is the Bushwhackers, but we're evaluating this as the Sheep Herders. The four seed is the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, versus the 13 seed Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. The three seed is Demolition, against the 14 seed, the Moondogs. The six seed, the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, versus the Skyscrapers, Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey. The seven seed is Doom, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, versus the Powers of Pain, the Warlord and Barbarian in the 7-10 matchup. And rounding out this bracket, the two-seed Harlem Heat versus the 15-seed Samoan SWAT team. Switching to bracket number two, number one in this bracket is the Steiner Brothers versus the 16-seed Power and Glory, Paul Roma and Hercules. The eight-seed here, Soul Patrol, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas versus the Pitbulls out of ECW. The 5-12 matchup here. The five seed is Terry Gordy and Dr. Destiny Williams, the Miracle Violence Connection, versus Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal of the NWA days. The four seed, the Wild Samoans, Athens Sika, versus the Godwins, Henry and Phineas, as the 13 seed. Number three, the British Bulldogs versus the 14 seed, the Eliminators, Cronus and Saturn, out of ECW. The six seed, Kurt Henning and Scott Hall, out of the AWA versus the 11-seed East-West Connection of Adrian Adonis and Jesse the Body Ventura. The 7-seed JYD, Junkyard Dog, and Dick Murdoch from the Mid-South Days, versus the APA, Farouk, Ron Simmons, and Bradshaw. Number 2, 
seed in this bracket uh, are the Dudley Boys against the 15 seed, the Super Destroyers out of ECW, AJ Petrucci and Doug Stahl. So that completes brackets one and two, our power brackets. Starting with bracket three, the number one seed is Rock and Roll Express versus the 16 seed, Steve and Sean Simpson out of World Class. The eight seed and nine seed matchup is the stud stable, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden out of the Memphis CWA promotion versus Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martell. The number five seed, uh, Hardy Boys versus the 12 seed, the Gangsters, New Jack and Mustafa out of ECW. The four seed, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood versus Bad Company, Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. The three seed, the Briscoe Brothers, Jerry and Jack Briscoe versus the Fantastics, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. The six seed, the Dream Team, Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Brutus Beefcake. And the 11 seed is Money Inc., the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and IRS, Mike Rotunda. The seven seed is Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, the Rockers versus the Blackbirds, Iceman, King Parsons, and Brickhouse Brown out of World Class USWA. And the two seed matchup is the Midnight Express. For this discussion, it can be either. Beautiful Bobby Eaton and Sweet Stan Lane, which is my personal favorite, or the Dennis Condry team versus the Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair, and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. And the final bracket, bracket four, the number one seed is the Hart Foundation versus the 16 seed, the Dynamic Dudes, Shane Douglas and Johnny Ace, skateboards and all. The eight and nine seed matchup is Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez versus Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams out of World Class. The 5-12 matchup is the five-seed Hollywood Blondes, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, versus the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys at number 12 with uh, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. I'm going to be working a show coming out of retirement. It's a benefit for Tracy Smothers. He's fighting cancer right now. As you all know, the indie wrestling scene isn't real big on bills, so we're doing a show for him over in Indiana. I'm probably going to put the GoFundMe page up on my Facebook and I'll probably put it then I'll probably put it under the uh, link to this podcast. If that's okay. Sure. Yeah, no, he was a, a good wrestler and straight to hear he's going through that. So uh, the four thirteen matchup in this bracket for the four seeds, Tully Blanchard, Narn Anderson versus the 13 seed Austin Idol and Dutch Mantel. The three seed, the Von Erics versus the 14 seed, the fabulous Rougeau brothers trying to keep a brother tandem there. The 6-11 matchup is the 6-seed Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee versus the 11-seed the High Flyers, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel out of the AWA. Jumping Jim Brunzel, making two teams. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and one of the rules I had for this, too, I'm I'm trying not to keep – I don't want to have guys on two teams if I can help it, but in situations like Jim Brunzel was in AWA and a team in – WWF, I think that's okay. Number seven, the seven seed, uh, the Varsity Club, which is Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotunda, and Dr. Death, and you can have any combination of that, versus the fabulous ones, Steve Kern and Stan Lane out of Memphis, CWA. The And the final matchup, the two seed, the fabulous Freebirds with Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Bam Bam Gordy for purposes of this matchup, even though Buddy Roberts was a part of it, as well as a uh, Jimmy Garvin, I'm going with Hayes and Gordy on this one, versus the 15 seed, Mr. Wrestling 1 and Mr. Wrestling 2. So, guys, that rounds out the bracket. 
want to mention a few things for some of the listeners as well. There are a few teams I didn't include in this that you may be saying, well, why aren't they included? The first on that list is Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Obviously, one of the top tag teams ever, but I consider them a Japan team. They they were very successful over in Japan, so they are not included in this bracket because we're focusing mainly on U.S. teams. And I also did not include Edge and Christian and the Brothers of Destruction, Undertaker and Kane, because I consider those teams 2000s teams because that's when they started to win their title. But if we were doing a bracket of overall great tag teams, all of those teams would be included. So just wanted to mention that before. And Ben, where's Chris, from Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko didn't make it? WCW tag champions as the horsemen. I include them in the singles bracket. Anyway, that's the bracket. So let's go ahead and get started with bracket number one. First matchup, Road Warriors versus the Destruction Crew. Scott, give me your thoughts on this matchup. Road Warriors in a squash. Matched up in the last two minutes. I agree with that. Christian, what's your thought? I think this goes without saying. There is no upset, not even close to an upset here. Road Warriors all the way. Yep, I agree. All right. On to the 8-9 matchup. we got Barry Wyndham and Dustin Rhodes versus the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? As much as I love Barry Wyndham and the natural, I've got to go with the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov because in my early years, I remember with classy Freddie Blassie, of course, being a big part of it. And I remember WrestleMania, first WrestleMania, He was actually instrumental in them beating Wyndham and Rotunda to win the WWF tag titles. So I'm going to go with uh, the mild upset with the Sheik Volkoff with classy Freddie Blassie being the difference maker. Scott, what's your take on that matchup? As much as I like Barry Wyndham and the natural, I have to agree with Christian simply because, not necessarily because of championship, but because of the influence that those two guys, the Sheik and Nikolai Volkov had on mainstream early 80s, because everybody, they were household names. They were part of the Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. They were part of the first WrestleMania. I think they had more of an influence on wrestling than the other guys. So that is my my take on it. I'm going with Sheik and Volkov as well, surprisingly. I agree with that. I think from a just a, a wrestling standpoint, I think Barry Windham's one of the best ever, but I just don't think he and Dustin Rhodes created the heat or if they were faces, got the, the fanfare, like the, the heat that Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov created. So You want to talk about heat. There's no more bigger heat in wrestling than Howard Finkel saying, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Volkov requests that you all please rise and respect his singing of the Soviet national anthem. Absolutely. That's a pop immediately. Plus, back in the day when they had all the WF action figures and stuff, I mean, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, they were the first ones that I got right after I got my Hulk Hogan figure. So we already have an upset in the bracket. But like I mentioned, a lot of these teams, we're going to have some upsets here because there are a lot of good teams here. All right, next matchup, 5-12 matchup. The New Age Outlaws, Road Dog and Billy Gunn versus the Sheep Herders. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? So... As the Sheep Herders, I'm taking them over the New Age Outlaws all day, every day, twice on Sunday. As the Bushwhackers, I would not put them over Road Dog and Billy Gunn, but I'm I'm keeping them as the Sheep Herders, and I'm saying that's the upset in this matchup. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Bushwhackers are a joke. 
but if we're not using them, so outlaws destroy the bushwhackers. But the sheep herders that I remember growing up from USWA and the bloody wars they were in, I'm going to go with the double disqualification. It would be bloody, it would be brutal. New Age outlaws were, for the most part, heels. Sheep herders were huge heels, nothing like the bushwhackers were. I'm going to say that the ref can't control it, and this one's a double DQ. That's a good outlook. I like that outlook. So, well, we have to have a winner here, though, to advance in the bracket, unless we want to give the 413 a, a bye. So, oh, it gives the 413 a bye. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this because I was honestly thinking you guys were going to say New Age Outlaws because, I mean, they were so instrumental with um, the Attitude Era, and I thought Road Dog was so good on the mic and – I mean, I really enjoyed them, but the sheep herders, like you said, they were they were rough and tough, and I mean, they had some great battles with the, the uh, fabulous ones. So the problem with the sheep herders is you, you get tricked in your mind thinking bushwhackers. Exactly, exactly. So if I can completely eliminate the bushwhackers from my mind, I remember a very violent, very gory, very nasty team. Very pre ECW before ECW. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I like the idea of a matchup in the 413 winners, so I'm going to support Scott and go with the, the Sheep Herders here with the upset over the New Age Outlaws. Oh, yeah. I guess if one of us, if one of us picked, it would have to pick, it would have to be unanimous to have a no decision anyway. Or not unanimous. But. All right. So we've had three picks and two upsets already. <laughs> this is just like the NCAA tournament. Next matchup, the 413 matchup. We've got the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags versus Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Here's where I need to I need some clarification. Are we are we talking about public enemy from ECW or are we talking about the watered down public enemy from WCW WWE? Give them the props, man. Give them the props. Well, I, I'd go with the one you think was the best. If it's public enemy from ECW. I'm taking them over the Nasty Bulls. What do you say, Christian, or uh, Scott? If it was only ECW era, I would be in agreement. But the reason I'm going to choose the Nasty Boys is because they made an impact in USWA, WWE, and WCW. They were actually a legit force in all three. So I'm going to stick with the Nasty Boys. However, I'm giving Public Enemy ECW version a shout out because I loved them over there. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with the Nasty Boys here. So we're going to have the Nasty Boys and Sheep Herders in the next round. So I just thought the Nasty Boys were – they were good in so many federations. Well, they, were, I mean, they were fat. They were out of shape. I can't remember any good matches that they carried. I can't remember any main event angles they were ever in. I can't remember any lengthy or memorable title reigns. But sure, let's go with the Nasty Boys. Yeah. Well, they had, they had some good battles with the the Road Warriors and stuff. I mean, they're not going to win the turn. They're not going to win the tournament here. But when, when, when did they have good battles with the Road Warriors? The Nasty Boys are best known for Hall and Nash shooting on them and kicking their ass in the in the back afterwards. Well, in the early nineties, though, they had some they had some title runs. So Public Enemy's best known for. Getting shot on by Farouk and Bradshaw on Sunday Night Heat because they didn't want to do a table spot. And if you go back and you watch it, that match is brutal. So, all right, we're moving on to the three fourteen matchup. We got Demolition versus the Moon Dogs. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? 
Well, as much as I love the Moondogs and as much as they deserve recognition, I think Demolition was the, and I'm going to say the first version, which was Axe and Smash of Demolition. They kind of went downhill once they added Crush. That's the only real version, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to go with Demolition, but I'm going to call it the original Demolition. But the Moondogs deserve a shout out. I loved them. Yeah. All right, Christian, what's your pick? So here's my thing. The Moondogs in WWF, I thought they were kind of jobbers when I watched them. But man, Wolver Gardens, USWA on Tuesday nights, I saw the most insane match ever. Lawler and Jarrett versus them in a concession stand brawl where they fought all over the entire Louisville Gardens. And they were awesome at that time. But that being said, Demolition's one of my all-time favorite teams. So I've got Demolition beating them in a very hard-hitting, physical match. Well, there won't be a beauty contest, that's for sure. (laughs) I agree with Demolition, but I really like this matchup because, I mean, both of those teams are hard-hitting, very physical. I mean, Demolition, you know, you had Barry Darso, who was Crusher Khrushchev over in NWA before he came over to WWF. But, I mean, just physical. So I really like the matchup, but I think you got to go with Demolition as well. They were they were pretty dominant in, in WWF at the end of the 80s. So, In Gorilla Monsoon's voice, you're not going to see a lot of scientific holds here in this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Interesting matchup coming up here, six and – the six eleven matchup, the Outsiders, Hall and Nash versus the Skyscrapers. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I got Hall and Nash going over. I like Sid. I think Spivey's the weak link. And I also could see uh, Six getting involved. Hall and Nash basically made wrestling cool again. Them and Austin. So I think they should be ranked higher. I mean, they held the WCW Tag Team titles forever, it seems like. I think it was an interesting example of taking two singles wrestlers and making them a successful tag team. So I am definitely can't go against the Outsiders. I'm going to have to be in agreement. As much as I, I did like the Skyscrapers, and I kind of feel like they didn't push that they, they should have because they were a massive tag team. You can't argue with the influence overall that, I mean, let's just call it what it is, the NWO, the... I mean, Hall and Nash started the NWO, really, and that whole movement and the sheer influence that that movement had on wrestling as a whole is unheard of, un- unprecedented. Nobody can can really match it. And, you know, arguably, I think they, I've said it in a previous podcast, WWE coined the phrase, but WCW ushered the Attitude Era in, as far as I'm concerned, with the NWO, and it just set a fire in wrestling. And and to quote Christian, they made wrestling cool again. So it's obviously the outsiders. I agree. You know, I, I echo the comment. I, I love the skyscrapers. I really like Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey, but I think it's a team that really underachieved from a booking standpoint because I think at that time, you know, you had the skyscrapers and you had the road warriors, the Steiners and Doom in there. And I remember hearing a different podcast. It was like those guys would get frustrated because the road warriors were always booked to to win you couldn't beat the road warriors and so like Sid Vicious and Dan Spivey are like you know forget this you know we're having to be booked to job to the road warriors that makes no sense for these guys that are such such big physical specimens so but you know they didn't achieve the success that Hall and Nash did and I just think from a, a transcending 
wrestling standpoint and a pop and all that that you guys mentioned for Hall and Nash, you can't deny that. So to me, I think Hall and Nash go over in this matchup of four very tall, big guys. I would like to have seen what Vince would have done with the skyscrapers had he got his hands on them. Yeah, because, I mean, can you imagine they'd be a much better tag team than you could even match them up with Big Boss Man and Akeem. Oh, yeah, they would have destroyed those guys, I think. Yeah, so I really I like both teams, but we're going with Hall and Nash here in the six over the 11. All right, next matchup. Actually, this is this matchup here is one of my favorite first-round matches. Doom versus the Powers of Pain, Warlord, and Barbarian. You've got basically four hosses in there. I mean, you got some big, strong guys, similar wrestling styles. I think this would be a great matchup of two teams that are really kind of like mid-card. So, Scott, what do you take? What's your take on this matchup? Man, I was hoping you'd make Christian go first on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, Christian, you go first then. All right. So, here's my deal. I think the Barbarian was very underused, underutilized, because when him and Ming were the faces of fear, and plus he could, he could just wrestle. My problem with the Warlord was he looked great, looked, looked like a million bucks. Couldn't really do much with him. Couldn't move. I don't recall the Powers of Pain ever winning the tag titles. I think the Barbarian won it, won it with other partners. So I wasn't a huge Doom fan, but I'm going to take them because, like I said, Warlord, he had a million-dollar look, but I don't think he could wrestle. I don't even think Ric Flair could carry him to a good match. I agree. I agree with that, too. I mean, the way I looked at this, Powers of Pain, they were basically brought together to be somebody to, to go against Demolition when Demolition turned face. If you all recall, it was a very confusing turn at Survivor Series. Mr. Fuji, I guess he's repre- he's managing Demolition at the time. And I think they kind of botched it where it was supposed to be like him turning on Demolition. But the crowd ended up thinking that Demolition had turned on him and Powers of Pain are helping him up at the end of the match and they're getting cheered like baby faces. I don't know if you all remember it. I remember it being like very confusing and very poorly done. It, it was a confusing match for sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. So my, my take on it is I'm going to go with Doom, but I love both these teams. I thought Powers of Pain... You know, one of you guys mentioned that they were brought in to, to match up against Demolition. And the thing I hate is everybody says, oh, they're a poor man's LOD. Well, not really, because if you looked at, at Warlord, he was bigger than both LOD. Barbarian, he could he could do all kinds of different things. Just like Christian said, I mean, he could actually wrestle besides just doing power moves. This guy was coming off the top rope. But off the top rope headbutt, I remember... In the, in the old NWA studios, like, he'd almost have to hit there. His head would almost hit it. They couldn't contain the guy. But going back to it, Doom, I think they were groundbreaking at the time. And they came out at a time when wrestling was, was going through a lull, which was in the, like, late 80s, early 90s. And what I recall is the big battles between Doom and the Steiners and then that street fight between Doom and the Horsemen. I think it's Doom. I'm going with them. I agree. I'm I'm a huge Ron Simmons fan, too, so I'm definitely voting for him. So Doom moves on, and our final matchup of bracket one is the two-seed Harlem Heat versus the Samoan SWAT team. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Wow. Man, these matchups are are really tough. I feel like a kid that 
didn't study before his uh, high school exam here. I love the Samoan SWAT team. I thought they were great at the time, but you just cannot deny Harlem Heat. And as much as they tried to hold those two guys down, I feel like Harlem Heat come out on top, and they were very successful. I, I think they could have been even more successful had they been in the right situation or a, maybe even a different company at the time. I just can't deny Booker T and Stevie Ray. I, I loved them. I loved their battles with the Steiner brothers. They had a couple of good ones with LOD. You name it, they, they had good battles with them. So I, I'm going with Harlem Heat. What do you say, Christian? Harlem Heat, no, no question. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like to see this matchup, though, because the Samoan SWAT team, I mean, they were brutal. They were physical. I mean, they started out with Pauly dangerously. I think before that, they were in world class with Oliver Humperdinck. But uh, the thing with Samoan SWAT team, they'd come in and they, you know, battle the Road Warriors or whatever, but they weren't there consistently. And, and Harlem Heat was a consistent team for a long time. And so that goes a long way with me. So we have Harlem Heat there. So that finishes bracket one. We had a fair number of upsets, so that's probably going to continue as we keep going on. So bracket number two, start out with the Steiner Brothers versus Power and Glory. Christian, since you're a big fan of Power and Glory, what's your take on this matchup? I've got a squash. I've got the Steiners in less than four minutes and probably injuring uh, Paul Roma. Yeah, well, Paul Roma's definitely going to take – I mean, I'm going Steiners here too. I mean, obviously, Paul Roma's going to take the pin here. Scott, do you have a disagreement with that? Not at all. Steiner brothers are it in a squash. Completely agree with Christian. Somebody's probably getting hurt. The Steiners are probably hurting them on purpose. Yeah. I do like the matchup, though, of uh, Hercules and Rick Steiner in, in there for a little bit and, and Scott Steiner. I thought Hercules was a good wrestler. He was kind of stiff, but he was a guy that was always kind of a mid-carder in WWE. F and I, I thought he was going to kind of break out a little bit more, but, but the Steiners, no, no ifs, ands, or buts, are going to win this matchup. So I was a big Hercules fan as well. I agree with that comment. I like when Heenan sold him to Ted DiBiase. I thought that was funny. And he was like his, his slave. <laughs> yeah. So our next matchup, and a good one, I think, here, 8-9 matchup, Soul Patrol, Rocky Soulman Johnson, father of The Rock, and Tony Atlas versus the Pitbulls of ACW. So, Scott, what's your take on this? So, this one's a tough one. The Pitbulls in ECW should have done a lot more than they did because one of the guys, and I can't remember his name, I used to know it, got injured during their run in ECW. And to me, the Pitbulls were like the next LOD, the next Steiner Brothers. These two guys were jacked up. They were athletic. They were in the hottest wrestling organization, in my opinion, at the time, in the mid to late 90s. And these guys had a lot of heat. I mean, they got a lot of pop from the crowd. They were they were excellent. However, their run was so short because the one guy got injured, they didn't get to live up to their full potential. And unfortunately, I have to go with Soul Patrol on this one because I think they were more groundbreaking and they had more of an influence on wrestling, even though, and I like Tony Atlas as a guy. He seems like a, a good guy, but I do not like him as a wrestler. I just, I don't feel like he lived up to his potential. He was a bodybuilder-made wrestler, but I'm going with uh, Soul Patrol just for the longevity that they had over the Pitbulls. Christian, what's your take on this? I mean, I guess my, my problem is I've never seen the Soul Patrol wrestle. I mean, obviously, I saw Tony Atlas later in his career. He was Saba Semba or whatever. I mean, obviously, I know who The Rock's dad is, and I know they got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I'm guessing they were probably the first African-American team to 
get over. So I guess because of those reasons, and because I'm not a huge Pitbulls fan, I'm going to go with Soul Patrol. I agree with that pick. I, I definitely go with Soul Patrol here. Rocky Johnson was a really great wrestler, and you know he was out of the WWF by like 1985. And it was kind of weird because, I mean, they were a really, really good team, had a lot of popularity. I mean, Rocky Johnson had charisma, which he passed on to The Rock, obviously. It was interesting because I thought their run should have been longer. They dropped the titles to Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch. But I thought this was a great team. And Christian, you are right. They uh, they were the first African-American championship team. So that was important for the Federation. But I just thought Rocky Johnson was fantastic. I agree with you guys on Tony Atlas. He had a great look. I don't think he achieved his potential. I think he had some drug issues and things like that. But I was just more familiar with them than the Pitbulls. So I agree. Soul Patrol moves on. Next matchup. This is a fantastic matchup. One of my favorite teams of all time. Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. The Miracle Violence Connection is a five seed versus Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal from the NWA Mid-Atlantic teams of the, the mid-80s. Christian, what's your take on this? Well, I mean, one issue I have is I don't know who Don Cronodal is. So that being said, anybody from AWA that Slaughter would have been teamed up with wouldn't have been able to handle Gordy and Dr. Death in their primes because in their primes, they were animals, not the Dr. Death that Jim Ross brought back that Bart Gunn knocked out, not the Terry Gordy that came back fat and out of shape. When they were, when they were in shape, they were monsters. And Dr. Death was one of those rare monsters who had a, a wrestling background. So could actually have a good match too. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? I think it's a no-brainer here. I think it's a, a no-questions-asked. Terry Gordy and Dr. Death wreaked havoc across the globe. They were not only very good over here, and I know we're not really giving a lot of props to the Japanese accolade, but these two guys dominated Japan tag team wrestling. They came in, and they had an ultimate impact on ECW. I got to go with them. I love them as a team. I was wishing that they would have been teamed up earlier in their careers, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the only reason why this team is a five seed is because of the fact that they weren't a tag team for that long. And they were mainly a tag team from like 1990 to 1993 and, and primarily in, in Japan where they were going against the great Japan teams over there. But also your Stan Hansen, Bruder, Bruiser Brody, there's a tremendous team, but they but they just didn't have the longevity like the Gordy had with the Freebirds. But man, they were dominant. And when they came in, to um, WCW in 1992. I mean, they matched them up against the Steiners. They took it to the Steiners. They won the WCW title, the NWA title. I mean, they were running roughshod through through everybody. They were that good. And unfortunately, you know, the reason why this team broke up is because Terry Gordy had that overdose and went into a coma in 1993 while on the plane in Japan. And of course, Terry Gordy just was not the same after that. So I think they definitely win this matchup. But before we leave, I, I do want to give a plug to Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal. This team was an, a, a very dominant team in the early 80s in that mid-Atlantic region. I mean, they went against the, the Ricky Steamboats and Jay Strongbow. I mean, Sergeant Slaughter was a major, major star. And Don Cronodal was a, a solid wrestler, too. And, you know, if you're not watching the NWA matches from like end up YouTube and stuff like that from the mid age, you're not going to know who Don Cronodal is, but he was really solid. And those teams were, were fantastic, but I just can't pick them over Terry Gordy and Dr. Death. 
no, they were they were a solid team for sure. And I think Sarge doesn't get enough credit for the influence that he had in the in the industry period. Yeah. So just wanted to plug them. All right. So the five seed moves on. Next matchup, number four, the Wild Samoans, Appen Sika versus the Godwins, Henry and Phineas. Christian, what's your take on this? Oh, the Godwins are terrible. I can't believe I can't believe he put them in us Wild Samoans and less than 10 minutes. Scott, what's your take? I'm going to go with Christian on this one. The Wild Samoans, I think the Godwins played their role. I think that they were brought in to do exactly what they did, but they, they were pretty horrible. So definitely the Wild Samoans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Wild Samoans were one of the, the dominant tag teams in the early 80s. The only reason why I put the Godwins here is I'm trying to, when I'm doing my matchups, have teams that kind of match up physically. And I was just trying to think of a, of a big team to go against them. So that's why I went with the Godwins. Try harder next time, would you? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to pick the Samoans, though. So, all right. So the Wild Samoans move on. Next, we have Rodney's favorite tag team, the British Bulldogs. There's a number three seed versus the Eliminators, Cronus and Saturn from ECW. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? So this is going to be an unpopular opinion, and I loved the Bulldogs, don't get me wrong, but the Eliminators in ECW were amazing. They were unstoppable. Cronus had such athletic ability for a guy his size. It was unreal. And I think had they been in the right place at the right time, they would have done a lot more. But I have to go with the Eliminators on this, even though the Bulldogs have the popularity and the notoriety and things like that I'm, I'm going with the eliminators strictly from an athletic standpoint all right christian what's your what's your take on this matchup well with all due respect to our gracious host i mean that's a, the eliminators in a 14 seed is terrible i mean there's no way they should be having to fight the bulldogs in the first round i mean they're a top four team well, hey, remember it. Remember in the NCAA tournament a few years ago, George Washington, I think, was a 14 seed and went all all the way to the Elite Eight. So you just have to be in the tournament. Yeah, not really the same thing. I got to go with the Bulldogs. Bulldogs, probably one of the top 10 teams of all time. I agree. I'm going with the Bulldogs because of my child Rodney here. But in, in fairness, though, when I when I did come up with this matchup, I was trying to make sure I picked the ECW teams and I didn't know I remember the Eliminators and I remember how good they were but the Bulldogs were just an amazing amazing team and when I mean the only reason they dropped that title in WWF was because Dynamite got hurt if not I mean they might have held that thing for two years they were that dominant well their matches with the Hart Foundation were just stole the show for like two years yeah and even before they came to WWF their work in Stampede was amazing, and uh, you know if Dynamite Kid keeps his act together and you know doesn't get hurt too much, I mean this guy is one of the greatest wrestlers ever, just from a technical standpoint. So I think this is a great matchup, though. But um, I've got to go with the Bulldogs as well. So we'll move them along. The number six eleven matchup we have: Kurt Henning and Scott Hall versus the East West Connection of Adrian Adonis and Jesse the Body Ventura in an AWA matchup. So. Scott, what's your take on this one? This one's a tough one again, and I have to give you props. Every one of these have been been pretty tough, except for maybe a few squash matches. But as much as I want to give it to uh, Kurt Henning and uh, Scott Hall, I like the the team of East West Connection. 
I think they had more continuity, and I think they were more of a actually tag, you know, actual tag team. So I'm going to go with Adrian Adonis and Jesse Ventura on a tough one. That's a tough upset. What do you say, Christian? You know, this is back when Henning was pretty green, and before he got on the juice, didn't have a very impressive physique. Scott Hall was big, but not a great worker at this point. Adonis and Ventura, if I remember correctly, that's Jesse the Body's sole WWF title was him and Adonis, I believe, had the tag titles. This was AWA when they were champs. I know, but I think that they also, when the when they went over, they were also a team in WWF briefly. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. They were a team. I, I don't remember if they did hold the titles, but they were a team over there. You're correct on that. Yeah, they they did not hold the titles, but they were they were a team. But then they pushed uh, Jesse the Body into matches with um, Hulk Hogan before. He had injuries and had to step away. And you got to remember, this was not flower shop, Adrian Adonis. This was tough guy, Adrian Adonis. He was a great wrestler before. I mean, he was a great wrestler. I'm going with the East-West Connection. I agree. And, I mean, part of this, too, I, I feel like when you go back and look at those early 80s AWA matches, my gosh, were they fantastic. I mean, the and, and Jesse the Body's work on the mic and promos – was just unparalleled. I mean, just fantastic. And they were good in the ring. I agree with your comment, Christian, about this matchup of Kurt Henning and Scott Hall is when they were, you know, young and not not over. I think if you're booking this match as a promoter, you're definitely going with Adrian Adonis and Jesse the Body. So I agree with you guys on the East West connection. What I love about this one though is is everybody your casual fan, if you're not more than a casual fan, you don't realize that Scott Hall had a a decent career way before he ever became Reza Ramon. And people didn't realize that he actually had a stint in AWA for as long as he did. He'd been wrestling for a while before he ever even showed up in WWF. Yeah. Anyway, but in the AWA matchup, we have Adrian Adonis and Jesse Ventura moving on. Next matchup in the 710 matchup, we have Junkyard Dog and Dick Murdoch from their early 80s days in the Mid South territory. Versus the APA, Farouk, Ron Simmons, and Bradshaw. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I like Dirty Dick. I like JYD. But I'm, I'm going with APA. In a very phys- physical, hard hit matchup. Mainly, honestly, because I don't remember I don't remember Junkyard Dog and Murdoch as watching them as a tie team. Yeah, they, they were a popular team in uh, Mid-South from like 80 to 84 and held the titles several times there. But uh, I agree with uh, Ron Simmons and Bradshaw here. I love that team. What do you say, Scott? I'm going to go with APA, but I want to remind our listeners and everyone that this is not the JYD in WWF. This is not the heavier, out of shape, older Sylvester. I think his last name was Ritter. This is This is the early JYD who was a monster he was a uh in shape he was tough dick murdoch was a rough neck i mean that, i think the people listening unless they go back and watch youtube or whatever they can watch of early jyd they're not going to understand but i think this match would be a lot closer than most people think but i am going with apa i agree i mean i gotta tell you that this matchup i mean it would be physical it'd be hard hitting it would not be a beauty contest and i think it'd be a really good one and 
you know, just to kind of echo your point about JYD and his importance in Mid-South, that Mid-South territory was like the Louisiana area. So it was like New Orleans and stuff, Baton Rouge, and they would sell out like the Superdome. I mean, JYD was such a draw there, and you had Ted DiBiase there. I mean, that Mid-South territory was amazing with the talent that they had. So his importance can't be understated. And and Dick Murdoch, I mean, he was a popular tag team guy even in the 70s and late 60s with Dusty Rhodes. But, you know, Dick Murdoch, he was nothing flashy, nothing pretty, but he was just a, a really tough-nosed wrestler. It's just I would go with Simmons and Fradshaw on this just because I feel like they'd be a, more physically dominating, but not by much. And I just really like their character. So. I mean, I could go either way on this, but I'll support the APA. So, next matchup, the Dudley Boys versus the Super Destroyers of ECW, AJ Petrucci and Doug Stahl. Scott, what's your take on this? I think it goes without question. The Dudley Boys were world-renowned. They held belts wherever they went. They've held belts in Japan, ECW, WWE, TNA, I think, for a short time. They could have been champions wherever they went. So I'm going with the Dudley boys for sure. Super destroyers were okay. They weren't together long enough. They didn't have enough of an impact. You know, they were a solid team, but the Dudley boys are winners here by far. What's your take, Christian? Squash. You got the Dudley boys in a squash? Yeah. All right. I'm definitely going with the Dudley boys. I mean, I, I think the Dudley boys are one of these revolutionary teams, you know, with all their stuff with the table and, I mean, the first time I saw them was in ECW, and they were just amazing. I think of, of those ECW teams, they were my favorite. I love their matchups with the Eliminators. So, But I'm definitely going Dudley Boys here. So that completes our second bracket, and we're moving on to bracket number three. We're starting out with the Rock and Roll Express versus Steve and Sean Simpson from World Class. I'm going to kind of take the lead on this one because probably a lot of people don't know who Steve and Sean Simpson are. They were from those mid to late 80s world-class eras. They were like friends of the Von Erics, Slender Build, Athletic. Honestly, they're kind of a a slightly bigger version of Jungle Boy in AEW. But to me, there's no way that they will beat the Rock and Roll Express. But I think it would be a fun, entertaining match for the fans. But Rock and Roll goes over here. So, uh, Scott, what do you say? I agree, and I love the fact that you were you compared them to Jungle Boy because I was going to make that comment. Every time I see him, that's exactly what he reminds me of is, is the Simpson brothers from the 80s and uh, world class. So you're right. This would be an entertaining match, but rock and roll just had – they're too good, especially in their prime. A lot of people didn't see rock and roll until later in their career, but if you go back and watch them in early USWA, I mean, they, they were dynamite. So definitely rock and roll. Press. Any objection, Christian, to picking rock and roll here? No, no, they're they're top ten team of all time. Their feud with Midnight Express could arguably be one of the greatest tag team feuds in wrestling history. Agreed. All right, moving on to the eight nine matchup. We got the Stud Stable, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden out of CWA in Memphis versus Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Um, I'm going to let the WWF machine influence me, and I'm going to go with the uh, Force. Martel's a former AWA champion. I never really thought he got pushed as much as he should have when he signed with WWF. Santana 
you can always count on him for a great match. I like Fuller and Golden, especially being a USWA guy, but I got I got Strike Force on over here. What do you say, Scott? I think Strike Force I think the writers in WWF screwed up with them. I think that they could have went a lot farther than they did. And I think that they should have had a lot more longevity. Their athleticism was was unmatched at the time. I mean, th- these two guys were super athletes. And agree with Christian, Rick Martel was not pushed enough in WWF. He, he was a great, great character. Tito, we all know he was a great intercontinental champion. He's the one that put my man over in WWF to begin with. I think without a doubt you got to go with Strike Force, but I did like Stud Stable. I thought they were a good heel faction in USWA, CWA, but I'm going with Strike Force for the win here. I agree. And you know, Tito Santana, he was really one of the great tag team wrestlers in the for WWF in the eighties. I mean, he won titles with other guys and so, you know, really one of the best wrestlers ever at that mid card level and as a single and at the tag team level. And I love Rick Martel. I, I just think he was fantastic. So I agree. All right, next matchup, five twelve matchup, the Hardy Boys versus the Gangsters from ECW. Scott, give me your analysis of this match. So this would be a great match, but you've got to consider what type of match are we doing. If this match was in ECW where there were no rules and and all that kind of thing, <laughs> New Jack is hitting Hardy over the head with a trash can and they're they're getting the victory. However, if it's a regular match and you're just considering how much influence, how much athleticism somebody had, the amount of hardware that somebody had, you can't deny the Hardy Boys because they've they've been champs all over the world. They've done different stuff. They've both had singles success. I, I think you got to go with Hardy Boys, but if it was in ECW and by ECW rules, it would be the gangsters. But overall, Hardy Boys win this match. What do you say, Christian? First off, I, I disagree with Scott completely. I think even if it's an ECW, yeah, the gangsters had their weapons and their staple guns and all that, but the Hardys would get those ladders out, they get those tables out. Jeff Hardy would be jumping from the top of the ECW arena and putting New Jack through a table. I think you put them in ECW, WWE, WCW, I don't care where. I got a very entertaining match with a lot of tables being broken, a lot of chair shots, a lot of uh, high-risk moves, and I got the Hardy Boys going over. I agree. I think the Hardy Boys are, you know, one of the transcending teams of wrestling with uh, the style that they brought, especially that era that at the end of the late, end of the 90s, going into the 2000s, I just think that they were real innovators in how wrestling happened, so I would go with them as well. All right, next matchup, 4-13. We got Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood from NWA versus Bad Company from AWA, and that's Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I'm going to go with the upset here. I was a huge fan of Bad Company and USWA and AWA. I mean, I probably used to see I used to see Paul Diamond and Tanaka probably wrestle every Tuesday. Man, very underrated. I thought they would have when they finally put Paul Diamond was chiseled and Pat Tanaka could work. They could both work. I'm going with the upset with Bad Company. I'd already had it picked. I'm going. I'm agreeing 100 percent with Christian. As much as I love Steamboat, really, I thought you were laughing. I thought you were laughing at my pick. No, I'm laughing because that was exactly what I was thinking. Because I, I thought it was going to be an unpopular choice when I was thinking that I was going to pick Bad Company over, 
over them because, you know, a lot of people don't really remember the USWA studs like that, but Wednesday night at the Coliseum at Evansville, Indiana, baby, it was bad company. They were dominating. Right. You saw the same match I did exactly the day after. We we didn't realize it at the time that they were running the same shows, every, the same card, same results every night. Every night, all across the mid south. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm going with Bad Company. I loved them as a tag team, and they were probably one of the first heel teams that I loved as a kid. So yeah, I'm going with them. That is an upset because I was definitely going to pick Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood here. I mean, I, I like Bad Company as well, but. Man, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, I mean, that's one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I mean, as far as titles and stuff, and the only reason why... Whoa, 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 whoa. Greatest tag teams of all time? Okay, you put them as a four seed in a four bracket tournament. So so, so you already don't have them top 10, so you can't call them greatest tag teams of all time. Top 20, at least. I mean, they're not they're not beating the Steiner Brothers or LOD or Rock and Roll Express here, but, but I mean, they were really good. And the only reason why that and and they are in Dave Meltzer's Hall of Fame and some other teams too. I didn't realize it, but Jay Youngblood died at 30 years old in 1985, and this was still like in their prime area. So I mean, this tag team may have continued for a while, and because of that, I mean, Steamboat was on his way out to WWF to become Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So this was a really good team. And I, I encourage the fans to watch some of their matches on on YouTube because it's really outstanding. But, you know, Bad Company was really good too. So so I respect your pick, and we have a 13 beating a 4. So Bad Company moves on. All right, the next matchup's an interesting one, I think, because it's the number three seed, the Briscoe brothers, Jerry and Jack Briscoe, versus the Fantastics. And I say it's interesting because – the Briscoe brothers, when you look at all the rankings for teams and, and, and individual wrestlers, they're they're considered some of the top wrestlers of all time. I mean, definitely top 25, numerous titles, things of that nature. They said their body shop's worth the drive. But they were also kind of phasing out by like the mid-80s when I was starting to watch. So I really wasn't that familiar with their work. And I really enjoyed the Fantastics. They were one of my favorite teams. They were one of these teams like the Rock and Roll Express and the the Fabulous Ones, you know, two guys with high energy. I really like them a lot. So I'm kind of split on this because the Briscoe Brothers have had so many titles and stuff that if you're just looking at titles and things like that, they should win easily over the Fantastics. But I really like the Fantastics in their style. So, Scott, what's your take on this? Well, you know, we put some restrictions on this tournament, and we were talking 80s and 90s teams. So that makes it a lot closer than it should be because of exactly what you just said. Once that, once we got into the 80s, the Briscoes kind of started losing steam. Now, like 1980, 81, I think they were still doing it pretty well. But later on in the 80s and, and all that, they lost their steam simply because Father Time is undefeated, you know. But if you go with all the accolades and all that, you have to go with the Briscoe brothers but if you go with our restrictions and everything that we put on this tournament and strictly go with 80s success, it makes it tough. I'm sticking with the Briscoe brothers, but it makes it a lot tougher when you put the restrictions on. What do you say, Christian? Because we're in a bit of a log jam here. Well, and you're going to hate my answer because I'm going to make the log jam even worse because Ric Flair's put over the Briscoe brothers too much for me not to respect his opinion on that. That being said, I loved the Fantastics. 
And I'm sorry, I'm going with a time limit draw. Time limit draw. I like it. I like it. Well, here's the thing. We're going to have to pick somebody because I don't think we can let Bad Company sweep into the Elite Eight. Bad Company will receive a buy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm making an executive call here. I'm going with the Fantastics. Hey, your show, your rules. Rick Flair be rolling over his grave right now. Well, I think it's a thing where, to Scott's point, if we said any tag team, and even if we open this up to the 70s, I mean, you're going to pick the Briscoe brothers definitely because their their body of work was was fanta- fantastic over the Fantastics. Well, maybe the person who did the seedings shouldn't have put a washed up Briscoe brothers team as a three seed. Going by those requirements. Well, I, I flip flopped a lot on this because I, I was trying to think of our our Facebook group, which I've got to mention this Facebook group by the way. There's a Facebook group that Christian and I recently joined, and it is called. Um, let me just find it here. Oh. Yeah, it's wrestling in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And if you're a wrestling fan, you definitely need to join this Facebook group. They are fantastic. There's a guy named Tom Cobb who runs like all these brackets all the time. I mean, you could spend like a whole day. If you're like needing something to do during the coronavirus quarantine and you're a wrestling fan, he gives you brackets like all the time that are really good. And there's some other guys in there. It's just really, really great. So I would encourage you to join that. But that being said, the reason why I put the Briscoe brothers in is because I was like, man, you know, some of these really old school wrestling guys, if they, if you put the Briscoe brothers in as a lower seed, they're going to be like, you're crazy because they're one of these great teams ever. But to Scott's point, I think there's a, there's merit to having the Fantastics win this match based on style. And if it was just a, a straight book match. So I'll go with the Fantastics. Scott, any problem with that? No, sir. Good enough for me. You know, I was tossing back and forth on this one because of the, the restrictions that we put on it. So Eliminators should be in that three seed right there. And then uh, elimin- Eliminators <laughs> go over the Fantastics. I knew he was going to bring it back up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're sticking with a bracket here. Next one, we've got the Dream Team, Greg the Hammer, Valentine, and Brutus the Bar- uh, Brutus Beefcake, not the Barber yet, versus Money, Inc., the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and IRS. Christian, what's your take on this? I love this match. I love the Dream Team. I love the luscious Johnny Valiant as their manager. The Hammer, would Gorilla say, takes 30 minutes before the Hammer's even warmed up, which which I never I never quite understood. Like The Hammer never appeared to be in, in like, Great cardiovascular shape to me. Money Inc. was good. They weren't great. IRS, I think IRS was a mid carter at best. And I think Valentine and Beefcake, I remember staying up late. I mean, they, they may have been at a couple Saturday Night's main events against the British Bulldogs. They had the belts for a while, and I think they worked real well together. So I'm definitely going with the dream team here. Scott, what's your take? I'm 100% with Christian on this one. I I love the Dream Team as a heel team. I love the match in WrestleMania 2 when them and the Bulldogs went at it. I think they put the Bulldogs over for their first championship. It's a great match. If you've never seen it, go back and watch it. I think Money, Inc. had their success at a time when, when tag teams were kind of in a lull. I'll have to go back and review that a little bit more. But when the Dream Team was having their success, tag teams were hot. So I'm sticking with the Dream Team. All right, I support that. So the dream team moves on. 
Next matchup, a 7-10 matchup, the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels versus the Blackbirds, Iceman King Parsons and Brickhouse Brown from World Class and USWA. So, uh, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? So I think it's hands down the Rockers. You know, they had pretty good success in AWA. They had very good success in WWE, WWF. Had Vince left them alone and they, they went on, I think they would have held more titles. Of course, you wouldn't have had the heartbreak kid as we know him today. I think he would have ultimately been successful, but it would have just been later in his career than, than what it was. I'm going with the Rockers. Christian, what's your take? Rockers, no question. Midnight Rockers and AWA, I remember watching them on ESPN. They were fun to watch. I see what you're saying about the longevity in WWF, but I mean, you broke them up at, at just the right time to make Shawn Michaels a top 10 wrestler of all time. So, But I've got the, I've got the Rockers going over here easily. I agree, but I do think it would be a good matchup, though, because I, Iceman King Parsons and Brickhouse Brown, they were really talented out of world class. I mean, Iceman was a very talented singles guy, too, and it was in UWF with Bill Watts. So they were a good team, but I don't think they go over the, with the Rockers here. So the Rockers move on. So that takes us into our next match, where we have one of the favorite teams of all time. In my opinion, we have the Midnight Express, Bobby, and Sweet Stanley, which is the lover boy that is fun. It's our favorite, Jake Cornett, the Midnight Express, where we can see All right, so what's your take on this matchup? Oh, Midnight Express, hands down. I, I like the Killer Bees, but they never had near the success or, or the continuity of the Midnight Express. And I'm going with the beautiful Bobby Eaton version. I loved them. Well, beautiful Bobby was in was in both versions, so you need to pick. Oh, yeah, Stan Lane then. Stan Lane, yeah, you're right. You got me on that one. Corny was the man, too. You got one of the best tag teams with one of the best managers. Booked perfectly in... NWA, WCW, and so many different angles. Feud with Rock and Roll Express. Unbelievable. They had good matches with Legion of Doom, which not many teams did. They also did one of the first that I can remember as a kid. Kind of worked shoot angles when they, uh, Jim Cornette, lit the fire that blinded Ronnie Garvin and Jimmy Garvin who was a heel at the time, came out. He's his, he's his stepson in real life, but for wrestling purposes, they were brothers, and that's what turned Jimmy Garvin. They made it look real. Jimmy Garvin, because back then, heels didn't come out and go after heels, and it was, like, excellently done. And I was never a huge fan of Killer Bees. I mean, I don't, I don't remember them ever holding the WWE, WWF tag titles. I don't remember that my brain coming close to winning them. I don't think they actually did. They're just kind of a mid-card team, and and for a, a bad pun here, the Killer Bees were brought in for a squash match. Midnight Express. 
I'll take either version. Either the little boy Dennis Condre or Sweet Sandline. I'm definitely going with the Midnight Express here because I played their intro song to introduce this match. All right, so that completes bracket three. Now we're moving on to bracket four, and we start with the Heart Foundation versus the Dynamic Dudes. Should be a pretty easy decision. Christian, what's your pick? Heart Foundation, no explanation needed. Agreed. Scott? Yeah, hearts, no no extra commentary. I agree. I don't, I don't think I can say anything really good about the Dynamic Dudes, but I had to fill in someone here. So, all right, next matchup. This, I think, is a really fantastic one, too. Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez from their days in NWA versus Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Man, this one is super tough for me. I like both teams, man. They're, if I went with singles accolades and, and my feelings on singles, it would be the Raging Bull and, and Ravishing, hands down, but you can't really do that here. I think I'm going to go with the upset, Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams. I think I'm going with them as a tag team over the other two. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? You know, I remember, I can't remember if it was the first or second Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup, and I remember watching a couple Rude and Manny Fernandez matches and really liked them and thought they could have been a, a team if they'd stayed together longer. I'm, I'm going with them. Okay. Gosh, this is a tough one because I – I mean, Ravishing Rick Rude's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But that Gino Hernandez-Chris Adams pairing, man, it was a hot matchup with them and the Von Eriks with Gino and Chris being the heels. I mean, it was super hot. But I I think I'm going to go with Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez here just because I think with Gino Hernandez dying early like that, it kind of took away the success that those guys really should have had. But, I mean, I, I could be persuaded either way, but – the bottom line is I'm a huge Rick Rude fan, so I'm going to go with Rick Rude. But I could just as easily pick the other one. So we'll go with Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez. All right, next matchup. Hollywood Blondes, Steve Austin, not Stone Cold yet. Steve Austin and Flying Brian Pillman versus the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong. Christian, what's your take on this? Stunning Steve Austin for those keeping score at home and Flying Brian Pillman. As much as I enjoyed Tracy Smothers and Scott Armstrong, they were more of a USWA team. I can't see them ever really making a big impact in WWF or NWA. So I've got the Blondes going over. They had an interesting feud with the Horsemen for a while, which I believe brought Flair out of retirement as a babyface. So that was a pretty big storyline at the time. What do you say, Scott? I'm... Totally with the Blondes, no questions asked. They were a underrated tag team. They could have had a lot more success. If you hear uh, Stone Cold, as Stone Cold talk about that history, he feels like that they were broken up too early from the writers and the storylines. He, he felt like that they could have went on to a lot more success, and I have to agree. They, they had good continuity. They were a good team. And to back up Christian there, they had a good war with the Horsemen. And they, they had some good tag team matches with some other hot tag teams at the time in WCW. So, Stunning Steve, Flying Brian, Hollywood Blondes. All right. I agree with you guys. So, we'll move the Hollywood Blondes along. Next matchup, Tully Blanchard, Narn Anderson versus Austin Idol and Dutch Mantel. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Oh, my goodness. As much as I loved Austin Idol, he was one of my favorite singles wrestlers out of USWA. And I really liked the guy. I thought he was great. I've got to go with the horseman. I can't deny him. WCW success, WWF success, 
et cetera. They, they would have been a, a champs anywhere they went. So Tully and Arn. What's your take, Christian? Tully and Arn, either way. Go with the Brain Busters. They got Heeman in their corner. Go with the uh, NWA. They got J.J. Dillon there. You know, I'm kind of surprised that you paired. I don't remember Idol and Amtel teaming that much, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah. They weren't like a, you know, a stable team or anything, but I mean, I just saw where they paired a lot in those Memphis days and CWA, and I was just trying to make sure I, I represented CWA pretty good. Dutch Mantel, he was, he was a really good wrestler, too, in those Memphis territories. Yeah, he was. But, I mean, I think you got to put – I mean, Iron Anderson, I think, is arguably a top five tag team wrestler of all time. I don't know how many different opponents or how many different partners he had and how many different titles, but way too many to count off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, I agree pushing Tully and Arn here, and we're going into our matchup of three versus 14 in a battle of brothers. The Von Eriks against 14C, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Right, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Eh, y'all are going to crap all over me, but I'm going with the upset. I thought the Rougeaus were really, really good. And I thought they just had the unfortunate, they were a victim of the time they were in. Kind of like when they say, the reason Barkley and Malone and Stockton don't have NBA titles because they were around when Jordan was. Well, the Rougeaus were there when it was Hart Foundation, the Bulldogs, the Rockers. I like the Von Erics. I'm going with the upset. I'm going with the Rougeaus. Scott, what's your pick? While I agree with Christian on the talent of the Rougeau brothers, and they were perfect heels and had good athleticism, good team continuity, they told a good story in the ring, it's hard to pass over the Von Erichs for the influence they had in Texas. And really, once they got put on ESPN, the influence they had over the nation, really. So, Well, well which Von Erichs are we talking about? Well, at least from my, my perspective, I mean, I'm more familiar. Obviously, Kerry Von Erich is in it, and I'm going with Kerry and Kevin Von Erich. I mean, David Von Erich was a tremendous, tremendous wrestler and was booked to be the NWA world champion before he died in 1984. But for me, I'm more familiar with Kerry and Kevin. That's, that's who I'm considering the Von Erichs. So I'm choosing the Von Erichs simply from the name and the influence they had, but from tag team continuity and all, all that, and Christian's assessment is right on. They were a victim of their time because tag team wrestling in that time was just hot. I mean, I enjoyed it better than singles for the most part. So, but I'm still, I'm sticking with the Von Erichs here. Yeah, man, the Rougeaus drew a lot of heat when they turned heel and started coming out to all American boys, if you all remember that. <laughs> I do remember it. I do remember that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm going to agree with Scott on this. I'm picking the Von Erichs. I mean, I agree with the Rojos were a really good team and really kind of deserved a better push because, I mean, they were tough. I mean, there was a like a real legit fight between Jacques Rougeau. He like beat up, uh, I think it was Dynamite Kid. But, I mean, they were real tough guys. But I disagree with Scott. The Von Erics with what they did in world class in the early 80s, they were superstars. That federation was smoking hot. Both Kerry and Kevin were very talented wrestlers. They could do everything. That feud with them and the Freebirds was just one of the greatest of all time. So I'm, I'm going with the Von Erichs here in a good matchup. So the next matchup, we have Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee from the Memphis Territory and CWA. Some legends there. 
versus the 11 seed, the High Flyers, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel from the AWA. Christian, what's your take on? I know Scott, this is what's your take on this one. Lawler, Dundee, hands down, baby. I'm going with Wednesday night at the Coliseum, Evansville, Indiana. Christian, what's your take on this? Lawler and Dundee came and they bought the AWA Tag Team titles back home to the USWA. They were triumphant heroes. Lawler and Dundee, no question. Plus, Greg Gagne was terrible. He just got pushed because he was Vern's son. Well, I did include him in this just because, you know, trying to fill out the teams, but... You don't have to justify it. I'm just making my opinion. Yeah. Well, just since we talk about every team a little bit, the High Flyers, they did actually have the title. I think it was almost a two-year period in like 81, 82. So they were a good team. But I think the thing with Greg Gagne was the fact of I didn't really care for him that much. He was okay. He wasn't bad. But it was just, you know, obviously getting pushed because his dad, Vern, was the the promoter. But Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee were just some classic teams in that Memphis territory, two legends. So I, I agree with that pick 100%. Now on that, let's let's call out Brunzel for being the athlete that he was early early 80s. He was a super athlete, so let's not undersell him for that. He deserves a shout-out. Yeah. No, I mean, they were a really good team. All right, moving on to the 7-10 matchup. We have the Varsity Club, which is a combination of however you want to put it, with Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotunda, and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Versus the fabulous ones, Steve Kern and Stan Lane. All right, Christian, you're starting on this one. What's your take on this matchup? Um, fabulous ones by far. They were they were phenomenal in their prime. Plus varsity club. I don't know. I mean, Doctor Sullivan, mid card. I, I don't know. I don't know if the varsity club ever, ever had the tag titles or not. But I like the gimmick. I just. I think I liked it better when they had like when they had Rick Steiner in it. I don't know. I just think the the Fables, I really enjoyed watching them. Yeah, Scott, what is your take on that? So for me, I loved the team of Rotunda and Steiner when when Steiner was in it, but we don't have him listed as part of it. I think Rotunda and Doctor Death was a formidable tag team, but I, this one's a tough one. But I do have to say that if it was Steiner and Rotunda, I would have probably picked the Varsity Club. But I'm going with the fabulous ones just from the pop that they got and the the hype and popularity that they they had in the early 80s was was unmatched. I mean, they, everybody wanted to watch those guys. So I'm going with fabulous ones out of CWA, USWA. I agree. I, I really enjoyed the fabulous ones. I shouldn't have put them as a 10 seed. I should have switched this. They were really, really one of the first teams that they did like the music video intro and stuff. And they were kind of the genesis to teams like the Rock and Roll Express and the Fantastics. And these teams were promoted like as good looking guys, fun loving guys. And they were really successful in that Memphis territory. I mean, they they had some tremendous battles with the Sheep Herders for many, many years. And I mean, very good matches and won numerous titles. And, you know, they kind of broke up when Stan Lane got recruited to NWA to be a part of the midnight express but man the fabulous ones were fabulous i mean they're just really really a good team so i agree with that pick all right next matchup going into the number two seed one of my favorite teams of all time the fabulous and i think the greatest song of all time 
to Michael Hayes there for Bad Street USA. I love this team. I'm picking the Freebirds no matter what. Well, not no matter what, but, I mean, definitely in this matchup over Mr. Wrestling 1 and 2. I love the Freebirds. I think Michael Hayes is one of the greatest on the mic ever, right up there with Ric Flair and Roddy Piper and the, the Macho Man. I mean, I love that team. Terry Gordy is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and that matchup that they had with the Von Erics and World Class was, was hot, and they were good. No matter where they went, they they generated heat. So, Christian, what's your take on this? I mean, going three words clearly, but I think you you overrate them very much. I mean, they are not they are not a number two seed. But oh, I disagree. I mean, world class. I mean, besides world class, I mean, I don't know. NWA they won won titles there. I mean, in the late eighties, early nineties. They beat uh, the Steiners on one. They beat, the, I think, the Midnight Express. They were UWF champions. Let me pull them up here. That's right, man. Your, your defensiveness already shows that you know, you're overrating them. I will admit that Terry Gordy was the star wrestler in there. I mean, Michael Hayes was known for his looks and personality, and he's not the wrestler Bret Hart is. We will say that, and Michael Hayes would admit that. But, Scott, what do you say on this matchup? I'm going to be unpopular and go with Mr. Wrestling. One and two. I'm just joking. Freebirds all the way. One matchup that you missed on WCW is they actually had a run with with Doom also. And that that was a pretty good matchup back and forth with the Freebirds. But yeah, Freebirds all the way on this one. All right. So we'll move them along. And that will complete our first round. So what I'm going to do here is we're going to take a break. For those who are listening, if you want to take a break, now's a good time. And we're going to start round number two in just a second. So, okay, we're back and starting round number two of our tag team tournament. And let's go ahead and get started in bracket number one. We've got uh, the Road Warriors, the number one seed in that bracket, versus the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. So, uh, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Road Warriors all the way, hands down. I agree. Any discussion on that? No. No? All right, I, I agree. The, the Sheik and Volkov just couldn't match up physically with the Road Warriors. I agree. Based on that that point in their career, but I, I agree. Road Warriors, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. All right. This is a very interesting match coming up here. The 12C, the Sheep Herders versus Christian's favorite, the Nasty Boys. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I got the Sheep Herders going over. I never got Nasty Boys. I'm never going to pick them to win over any legitimate team. All right, Scott, what's your pick? Well, I love the sheep herders as the sheep herders, but as far as influence and success goes in, in three different federations, I've got to go with the Nasty Boys. Their their continuity and their, their longevity as a team was just too long. I'm going with the Nasty Boys, too, based on 
the titles and stuff. No, what a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can go ahead and get to the, the next round, one versus four, the Road Warriors versus Nasty Boys. Is there anybody that's going to pick the Road Warriors to lose to the Nasty Boys? Because I'm sure not. Let's give the Nasty Boys the hell out of this tournament. That matchup actually happened. All right. So let me just let's just say for discussion purposes, let's say we pick the sheep herders to go over the nasty boys. What about that matchup of the road warriors versus the sheep herders, Christian? It would be a regular uh, road warriors squash. I mean, it'd be it, it would be nasty and bloody if the road warriors would go over. And see, Alan, this is this is this is so weird though because like man, like I remember LODs come back. You know, like Billy Jails like humiliate them like near the end of their career. I'm still picking the road warriors. But I guess that was OD 2000, so I guess that didn't count. Right. Yeah. I do think, to be honest with you, if I was doing the booking as a booker, I think a road warriors matchup with the sheep herders would be the better match than them versus the nasty boys. Yeah. My thing is the sheep herders would just look so small next to them. Mm-hmm. All right. So in this quarter of the bracket, or in this half of the bracket, we got the Road Warriors coming out of the that division. All right, our next matchup um, is Demolition versus the Outsiders, Hall and Nash. Scott, what's your take on this? Now, see, this is this is a tough one. This is super tough for me because, I, like Christian, I think we talked about it earlier. Is Demolition the original Demolition was one of my favorite teams of all time, but Hall and Nash, the influence they had coming out with NWO and their their sheer size and and all that, man. Woo. I'm torn. I'm, I'm going to stick with Demolition just as a tag team. They were more of a, a true tag team than, than Hall and Nash. Christian, what's your take? This is a tough one, but I'm going with the Outsiders. So, Ben, the pressure is on you. Yeah, the pressure is on me, and I, I think I'm going to go with the Outsiders. Don't screw me over again. All right, good. So, here's the reason why I'm doing that. I, I think... Demolition, those first those two years when it was original Axe and Smash, they were that dominant, but it was only for two years. And I think the Outsider had a longer run. I think Hall and Nash, you know, were more transcendent in the culture of wrestling at that time. So I would go with Hall and Nash. And I and I do think just from a physical size matchup standpoint, Hall and Nash would have the advantage there. So I would go with the six three upset with the Outsiders in a good match. All right, next matchup, very physical one coming up with Doom as the seven seed versus Harlem Heat. You know what? Been, been not to criticize, but I just noticed a tag team. It was omitted that I would have put pretty high up, that being Lex Luger and Sting. That's actually a good point. Yeah, well, and you know, I should have mentioned it at the at the beginning on teams of that like notable omissions. Teams like Luger and Sting and the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, the Mega Powers and stuff, Roddy Piper and Bob Orton. No, Luger and Sting are different. Luger and Sting held the tag team titles on many different occasions in WCW. They were in those three and four-way feuds with the Harlem Heat and the Legion of Doom. And then they even had that real funny gimmick going where Luger was the heel and Sting was the baby face and... When Sting would turn around, Luger would smile and be given the fans fives. And then when Sting would turn back around, Luger would be like pushing the fans away from him. Yeah. Well, it is a fair point. I guess when I was preparing the bracket, I just thought of them more as 
singles wrestlers and yeah, you can't you can't you can't think of everything. I'm just I mean I just now thought of it myself. So all right, well next matchup um, we have the seven two matchup Doom versus Harlem Heat. Uh, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? I would have paid a lot of good money to see this actual match happen. I got to go with Harlem Heat strictly from the longevity and the they were together. They were more influential as a team altogether. But, man, what a matchup this would have been. Woo! That, this one, it's getting tougher as we go, guys, I tell you. But Harlem Heat's who I'm going with. It is. All right, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I got Harlem Heat. I mean, I think, I think Booker T is probably a top 20 wrestler. I think Stevie Ray is a – Excellent tag wrestler. And I think Harlem Heat is arguably near the bottom of the top 20 tag teams of all time. I agree with you guys. So we have Harlem Heat winning that matchup, setting up a matchup with the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, to see who moves on to face the Road Warriors. Um, Christian, what's your name? Which, ironically, was was the match at Hogwild Wild, where, where Hogan beat the Giant first braid the NWO onto the WCW title and Hall and Nash defeated Harlem Heat for the tag team titles and there's no reason I would expect the result to be any different second time around so I've got Hall and Nash what do you say Scott yeah man that that match actually happened I remember it well and I was pumped up for the match then as well as I am here but I'm sticking with Harlem Heat just because of them being a true solid tag team. Like I said, Hall and Nash, I love their, their singles runs. I'm, I'm going with Harlem Heat from a tag team perspective. The only title match they had, the Outsiders beat them. That's true. Yeah. Oh, man. Both excellent points Points here. I kind of thought I had my matchup set up that I, that I wanted to see. Now, I don't know. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Christian and the the Hall and Nash matchup because the match actually happened. And so that's how it was booked. So I can be, I can be either way, but ah, overall tag team success. Come on. No, the, no. The one time that they had a match for the titles, Harlem, he even tried to cheat and they ended up getting their manager's cane from Harlem heat, uh, Robert Fuller's cane, the Tennessee stud and Hall and Nash didn't have a third person outside the ring. Well, you know, one thing we could do, we could have a double disqualification match here. <laughs> no, I, I don't have a problem either way. I think both these teams are outstanding. I, since Hall and Nash won the actual matchup, I'll go with Hall and Nash, setting up a matchup with the Road Warriors and Hall and Nash. So, um, Scott, what's your take on a Road Warriors-Hall and Nash matchup? Road Warriors all the way. No questions. I agree with that, and that's why I didn't have a problem with the Hall and Nash Harlem Heat outcome, because I'm picking the Road Warriors. What do you say, Christian? He's going Hall and Nash. I mean, no, I'm just I'm just surprised you all just did it so quickly and matter-of-factly. Because Legion of Doom's big thing was their size. I mean, that, that was their size and their intimidation. Well, Nash is bigger than both of them. Nash, even now, at age, however old he is, 55? Almost 60. He still looked phenomenal the other night when they came on SmackDown. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with the Road Warriors, but definitely not the WWF version of the Road Warriors. Like, it has to be like, I'm pretty much talking like the AWA Road Warriors. Because if, if you're talking WWF Road Warriors, I'm, I'm putting all on that show over. 
But that being said, Road Warriors are one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So I, I can't. But I think it would be Hall and Nash would get it booked so they still got protected. It would be a, it would be a disqualification with six interfering. And they would leave the Road Warriors lane after the match. In the words of Jesse Ventura, they sure don't look like winners. I think it'd be an excellent match just for the reasons that, that Christian mentioned because really when you look at physical domination and stuff, Hall and Nash have the advantage as, as far as size goes. I mean, maybe not as as far as strength since Hawk and Emma were power lifters, but it'd be pretty darn close. But, I mean, honestly, when I was going through the bracket prior to the call, I was expecting a Road Warriors-Harlem Heat matchup. And to me, that, that that's a better physical matchup. I still pick the Road Warriors – in that, but let's say we did have a Road Warriors Heart on Heat matchup. Scott, what would your what would your be your take on that? It would be a knockdown drag out fight. It would be a great match. Stevie Ray could mix it up with Animal. That would that would be power versus power. Booker T would be more finesse against Hawk. But I think I'm still going with Road Warriors over that one, but that would be a heck of a tag team battle. Yeah. What do you say about that matchup, Christian? You know, I guess first off. I still think the Road Warriors versus the Outsiders would be the more interesting match to watch and would be a good main event of pay-per-view and have people excited. That being said, I still got Legion of Doom beating the Heart At the end of the day, Booker T was the star. Stevie Ray really didn't do much in his career without him, you know. I mean, he couldn't even he did he couldn't even come out to the regular NWO music. He had the generic B team music. So I've got Legion of Doom either way. One thing I would like to point out is the Road Warriors mixed it up with Kevin Nash early in Kevin Nash's career when he actually looked like one of the Road Warriors in a team called Maximum Overdrive. Look that one up. He actually had like a mohawk haircut and all that and had another tag team partner that was really swole up. And they didn't do very much, but they were called Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, it would be Interesting to see a real matchup with them. And I don't know, maybe the Road Warriors did go up against Hall and Nash. I can't remember off the top of my head. but I don't think they did, but I remember the Warriors in Harlem Heat against each other a few times in, on Nitro during that whole Luger sting, Road Warriors, Harlem Heat kind of triangle that they had going. Circling back to what Christian brought up earlier, too, Luger and Sting had some good matchups with the Road Warriors. Those were some good tag team battles. Yeah. So, all right, well, we have the Road Warriors winning bracket one. Now we're switching over to bracket two, starting off with the Steiner Brothers versus Soul Patrol. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Steiner's hands down. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I guess the Steiners. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not as big a fan of them as everybody else. So we got the Steiners moving on. Next matchup, we got Terry Goity and Steve Williams, Dr. Death versus the Wild Samoans. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Uh, I got Gordy and Williams. Scott, what's your take? In a bloody battle and a knockdown dragout fight, I'm taking Gordy and Death. I agree. That's my pick, too. And I tell you what, this would be a just a, a really physical, violent match because, I mean, that's what the Samoans brought. I mean, they were one of these first tag teams that really just brought this just sheer brutality like that. So, And they were just an amazing, amazing team. But I just think Terry Gordy is one of the – best tag team wrestlers there. I mean, he could mix it up with the best of them. Dr. Death was tough as nails, so I, I agree with you guys there. All right, so we have a 1-5 matchup. Oh, you know what? Another omitted team. 
and they were kind of a joke, but they were multi-time tag champions, Billy and Bart Gunn. I know. I, I saw that uh, in the Smoking Guns, but I just felt that I wanted to put Billy Gunn in with New Age Outlaws, and since they were in the same federation, I, I just felt I couldn't omit the New Age Outlaws from the bracket. You put Jim Brunzel in twice. You put, a, you put the guys in twice. Yeah. Well, but Jim Brunzel's team with Greg Gagne was AWA, and his team with Brian Blair, the Killer Bees, was WWF. But, you know, we'll have to do another bracket next year, so I'll have to, I guess, add Billy Gunn and the Smoking Guns next next time. We're going on with the matchup of the British Bulldogs versus the East-West Connection, Adrian Adonis and Jesse the Body Ventura. Scott, what's your take on this one? Between these two teams, I'm sta- I'm going to go with the Bulldogs. Okay. What kind of matchup do you see this being? I think it would be a great matchup, especially as we, we touched on earlier when this was the Adrian Adonis athletic version, not the later WWE, WWF, where he got overweight, out of shape and all that, and he was doing the flower shop and all that stuff. This was more of the late AWA, early WWF run. Adrian Adonis, he was a tough guy. But I think it would be a great matchup. Bulldogs win. Yeah. All right, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Bulldogs and not that difficult fashion. Yeah. I definitely go with the Bulldogs here. I just think they'd be too strong and the speed that Dynamite brings, is, I think it'd just be too much. But I think it'd be a good matchup. All right, so the Bulldogs move on. Next matchup, uh, the APA, Farouk, Ron Simmons, and Bradshaw versus the Dudley Boys. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Physical, hard-hitting, and I got the Dudley Boys going over I agree with that. What do you say, Scott? Dudley boys, hands down. There's just too much success behind them, wherever they go. I agree. And I think at that point, I mean, the APA was good, but they were kind of more of a a comedy act. Toward the end, a little bit, you know, with Ron Simmons and the dam and all, and all that, they were still a really good team. I think it'd be a really good matchup of a bunch of strong guys. I'd like to see it, but uh, I definitely would go with the Dudley boys there. All right, so... Our final four in this bracket, we have the Steiners versus Terry Gordy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. And then we have the British Bulldogs versus the Dudleys. So let's start with the Steiners versus Terry Gordy and Dr. Death. Uh, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Great matchup. It actually happened. I think they traded a few times. I'm a Steiners guy, so I'm sticking with the Steiners. They had success wherever they went. I know Dr. Death and Gordy did as well, but I'm, I'm sticking with the Steiners. All right, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I'm going to reluctantly go with the Steiners. All right. Well, I'll be honest with you. I was ready to vote for Terry Gordy and and Dr. Death because I I just feel that team was so dominant. But they didn't have the longevity that the Steiners did. And I watched a few of their matches last night. And the wrestling of Scott Steiner at that period, it was just fantastic. I mean, with him doing the Frankensteiner and being this big guy, I mean – it was just amazing what he would do in the ring, and, and Rick Steiner was solid too. But the teams, but when these teams matched up, their wrestling and brawling, it was it was fantastic. It was a, a just a great, great matchup. I'll go along with the Steiners here and support you guys. So we'll have the Steiners moving along, and they're going to face the winner of the British Bulldogs versus the Dudley Boys. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? It'll be an excellent match, and – the British Bulldogs will win. What's your take, Scott? I got to disagree. I'm going with the Dudleys on this one. Good matchup, but Dudleys are winning. 
So why, why are you picking the Dudleys over the Bulldogs? I got to go with the Dudleys due to the longevity and the influence they had in several different federations. All the hardware they had from New Japan, ECW, TNA, WWF. I mean, it's... TNA. Come on. TNA was legit early. They're terrible now, but they were legit for a, a few years. Yeah. Oh, gosh, this is a tough one. I'm going with the Bulldogs because I own a Bulldog. But here's the, reason, here's the reason why I'm going with it. I just think the Bulldogs were a better wrestling team. And I think the Dudley boys bring power, but Davey Boy Smith was a powerhouse. And he had speed. I mean, they could match them with that. And, and Dynamite Kid could go with anybody as far as the hardcore stuff. I mean, it's one of these matches where if I if I was booking it, I'd want like a best two out of three because I, I would want to put one team over at least once. I mean, the Dudley boys were fantastic. I just feel like with the Bulldogs in that era of the 80s when the tag teams were so great, I would pick them. I, and I enjoyed their style better. But, I mean, the Dudley boys were an amazing, amazing team and definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, which I think they are. So that had the matchup of the Steiner brothers versus the Bulldogs. So, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Lost a connection, but I think you said Bulldog. So, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? So I'm I'm like I said earlier, I'm a Steiner's mark. Both tag teams are awesome. I think this would have been a great matchup. And like I've said throughout this test, I think that I wish that I, I could have actually seen some of these matchups take place because the Stein Bulldogs actually match up pretty well. I would have loved to have seen Davy Boy and uh, Scott Steiner lock up. And I would have loved to have seen the actual pure wrestling between Dynamite and Rick Steiner. I think it would have been a great matchup, but I'm going with the Steiners. Too much power overall. Okay. So it comes down to me having to break a tie again. We got the Steiners versus the British Bulldogs. 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 Next Bulldogs. Next match. I'm going with the Steiners because I've... Hey, Christian, I've been, I've been supporting you the past few matches, so i got to give Scott some love here, too. And in fairness... You should have no bearing on this whatsoever. You are one of those jerk-offs that even send it well Matilda to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, honestly, in evaluating the match, I think Scott Steiner, at that stage of his career, can go with anybody, whether it's power or speed. I mean, he was that good at that time. I think Rick Steiner was was solid. I mean, you know, I think he and Davy Boy kind of cancel each, each other out, but I just got to go with the Steiners. But I tell you what, it's one of those matchups again. I would like to see two out of three because the Bulldogs were that good. It's just, I don't think they had the run because of Dynamite's, uh, Dynamite Kid's injury that the Steiners did, but they were awfully good. Dude, them and the Hart Foundation probably had the best tag team matches WWF ever saw. They did, but it was only like a three-year period. But, I mean, they, they were fantastic. So so that's why I'm going with the Steiners here. And I'd, I'd pick the Steiners even if the Dudley boys went over the Bulldogs. And I, I would pick the Steiners out of this bracket. You, you stupid idiots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going on to bracket number three. We got the Rock and Roll Express versus Strike Force. Uh, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? I'm uh, great matchup. I'm sticking with Rock and Roll. Okay, 
What do you say, Christian? I think it would be a really, really fun match to watch. Like, I think they'd probably go, like, maybe if they let them go, like, 30, 40 minutes, they would, they would have the crowd in the palm of their hands. But I've got Rock and Roll Express going over. I agree. But, I, you know, just from a, a physical matchup standpoint, though, I, I mean, Tito Santana and Martel, they have the physical strength and size over both of Ricky and Robert. And, I mean, they both had speed. So, you know, if you're just booking this without, you know, all the politics involved, I mean, I could easily see Strike Force winning over Rock and Roll Express. But based on the, the longevity, the titles, all that, I'm going with Rock and Roll as well, just like the rest. Hey, out of, out of curiosity, just because I was thinking Rock and Roll Express Big Match has been another omitted team that I think we should mention is uh, Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Oh, my God. That's true. The Russians. Oh, my God. They're not in here. That's a good point. Man, and uh, dude, they were, I mean, they were super over as, as a heel tag team. And they had, I remember a great cage match they had with Rock and Roll Express at Starcade. And they took it to the Road Warriors many times, man. They took it to them. I mean, and then Nikita was just, I think Nikita's one of the most underrated. You know, when Magnum TA had his accident and then Nikita had just finished that best of seven series with him for the U.S. title. Then he ended up joining, taking Magnum's spot in the Crockett Cup, teaming with Dusty, and winning the Crockett Cup with Dusty. Nikita, Nikita's one of my all-time favorites. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, that is a team I, I probably should have had in here. I definitely have those guys in my singles tournament coming up. Let's just say for discussion purposes, I mean, they would be in either bracket one or two. Do you see them? Would you pick them over the Road Warriors or the Steiners? I don't know that I would pick them over either of those teams, but I think that they would be in the Final Four. They could have easily made it to the Final Four. You take them over like a Harlem Heat or take them over the Dudley Boys? I think I would have chosen the Russians over the Harlem Heat, honestly. Now now that I'm thinking about it, that's a really good one. I could see them possibly beating any of those teams except for the Road Warriors. I could see them in the the finals against the Road Warriors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a good – Good comment there, Christian. Hey, you, you, dude, you did, a, you did a great job. I'm not trying to be critical. That team just occurred to me right now because I was just thinking of the Rock and Roll Express. Of the, I had a vision of a cage match against the Russians, and I started thinking about the Russians. Yeah, Ivan Koloff and Ivan Koloff and Nikita, man, they they were tough. Wow, I can't believe I forgot about them. Yeah. So moving on, we have uh, the five thirteen matchup of the Hardy Boys versus Bad Company. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? You know, as much as I love Bad Company, I don't think they can lace the Hardy Boys, but suck at the Hardy Boys going over with not too much trouble. What do you say, Scott? Well, as much as it pains me because I am not a Hardy Boys fan, I have to give it to them over Bad Company just from their sheer success, not only in WWF, WWE, but other other companies as well. Hardys were just too popular. They got too much of a pop. So I'm going with them reluctantly. As I said, I, I'm not a Hardy's fan, but they would beat Bad Company. All right. That's, that was my pick as well. So moving on, we have the Fantastics. It's a 14 seed versus the Dream Team. So we have Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers versus Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Uh, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Oh, me. Let's see. So we're looking at Fantastics versus Dream Team. I'm leaning with the Dream Team on this one. Yeah. What do you say, Christian? I got the dream team being controversy only with a luscious Johnny Valiant interfering. 
not getting caught. So it's not a true, not a true clean victory, but they walk out with the win. Agree. Yeah, I go with that as well. You know, Greg the Hammer Valentine, I mean, just as far as the wrestling skill and stuff like that, I mean, he could go with anybody on that. You know, great, great wrestler, not the best. You know, he's not Ric Flair in the promo. His body is not Kerry Von Erich or Rick Rude. But, I mean, just a good, solid wrestler. And Brutus Beefcake, I mean, Brutus Beefcake is a really tremendous wrestler during WWE or WWF. So they're a really good matchup. So I, I think they're their size and power would just be too much for the Fantastics. And even from a wrestling standpoint, I think Greg, Greg Valentine can, can go with any technician. So I agree. Oh, takes, it takes him 20 minutes just to get warmed up. (laughs) If the match lasted longer than 20, he could have beat anybody. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with the dream team going over there. So next matchup. Which I think this is a fascinating matchup. The Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels versus the Midnight Express with no intro. So, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? I love both teams. I think Midnight Express goes over simply from longevity and just overall popularity. Everybody liked the Midnight Express, even though they were heels. I mean, they they got over. So I'm going with them with possible interference from Corny, maybe a tennis racket over Shawn Michaels' head. That's what I was saying there. I would pick them to win with interference from Jim Cornette. I had the exact same thought that Cornette is the X factor and that Marty Jannetty would be doing the job. Probably Cornette puts them over the top. I think even without Cornette, they beat the Rockers. I mean, the Rockers, if you remember, basically in AWA, they, they came in as the Midnight Rockers. They were basically kind of an imitation of the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express. So... You know, it can be like the Midnight Express taking these young boys to school, taking them out to the woodshed. Well, and I want to kind of focus a little bit on beautiful Bobby Eaton because, I mean, just a tremendous wrestler. and if One of the greatest tag wrestlers of all time. Yeah. I mean, when you hear all these shoot interviews about Bobby Eaton, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about Bobby Eaton. Just how good he was in the ring and, you know, how how good of a guy he was. and. One tag team I didn't have on here because I've got to have Bob Eaton with the Midnight Express, but he had a really good tag team with Arn Anderson. I was going to say, Arn Anderson, he had a great team. And him and Steven Regal, I thought, had a, had a nice little tag team. Yeah. When he was Earl Robert Eaton. Hey, I'll tell you how much, and you guys probably have seen this, when Goldberg was on Stone Cold's show, here's how much the wrestlers loved him. Goldberg, during the middle of his hot streak, tried to put Bobby Eaton over in Huntsville and the the uh, management wouldn't let him do it. That's how much Goldberg loved Bobby Eaton. I heard that. I don't know if I believe Goldberg, but I did hear him say that. Because it goes it goes it goes contradictory to every other story I've heard about Goldberg. But yeah. I think I believe it. All right, so we have the Midnight Express going over in that matchup. So our final four matchups are the Rock and Roll Express versus the Hardy Boys and then the Dream Team versus the Midnight Express. So Scott, what is your uh, take on the Rock and Roll Express versus the Hardy Boys? Whoa, boy. That's a good one there. So if, if I go with my personal feelings, I'm going with Rock and Roll Express. But if I go with total success and popularity, overall, I'm going Hardy Boys. So I, ultimately, I guess Hardy Boys, as bad as it, it, it hurts me to do. Wow. That's a big, that's a surprise. No, you want to be a decision maker again? Because I'm, I'm going with Rock and Roll Express. I'm going Rock and Roll Express, too. I am. I I think with Ricky and Robert, they were so hot in the, the mid-80s 
I mean, you hear these stories like the battles between them and the Midnight Express were just epic. And you hear stories like where Jim Cornette would say they'd be like the B show. They'd have like, you know, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes as the A show and the Road Warriors and all that. And the B show would be like Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express and all that. And they'd outsell them. I mean, the women and the teenage girls, they loved Ricky Morton. I mean, he was so over. They were so good in the ring. Now, they weren't as good, you know, in WWF, but by that time, you know, they were a little bit older, but... They were way too old and out of shape by then. Yeah. Hey, you guys are doing, you guys are doing my heart some good by picking it, because I hate the Hardy Boys. I'm just going with the mentality overall, but hey, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm glad that you guys picked them. Yeah, I mean, I think the Hardy Boys are a great team, but I, I got to go with the rock and roll. So, next matchup, we have the Dream Team... Versus the Midnight Express. Christian, what's your take on that matchup? Uh, first off, what a phenomenal match. Especially Jim Cornette and Luscious Johnny Valley on ringside. You got two great managers. Bobby Eaton pairing up with the Hammer. You got Sweet Sam Lane pairing up with Beefcake. At the end of the day, I'm going with the Midnight Express. All right, Scott, what's your pick? I'm going to pull a Christian on this one. I'm going with double disqualification because the managers get involved and it's a pier six brawl and the referee loses control. All right. So that leaves me to decide the result again. And I, I'm going the midnight express because I want to match up of rock and roll express and midnight express in the finals of this bracket. I think it'd be a great match though. I, I think, you know, we talked about it earlier with Greg Valentine being a great technician. I would really like to see him and Bobby Eaton in the ring together. I, yeah, I think they match. I think they match up really good. Would be a very good matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, Beefcake's going to have the power over Stan Lane, but I really like Stan Lane a lot. You know, Stan Lane got pretty ripped when he got in the Midnight Express, if you remember. He did for sure. He put some size on. I don't think Beefcake was that much bigger. I just think that the Midnight Express were just such a, a tremendous team. I think Cornette would get involved, just like Luscious Johnny V. But I think overall success goes to the Midnight Express with their tenure in championships because the Dream Team only had one run as tag team champions in WWE. So for that, I'm going with the Midnight Express, which brings up our matchup of the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express. The rivalry that continued for a decade is now here. Oh, well more than a decade. I mean... That Smoky Mountain wrestling, I mean, all over the independent scene. Yeah. I mean, probably the greatest tag team rivalry ever. So, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Here's what I love about this match is neither team were really WWF, WWE teams. And here we are in the finals with these two teams. I'm glad that we haven't this way. But between these two teams, I had already eliminated rock and roll earlier, so I'm, I'm sticking with Midnight. Possibly with corny interference again. Yeah, I agree. I go with the Midnight Express. I, I just like them better as a fan. I was a big fan of Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. It's going to be a, an amazing, amazing match like all their other, others were. But I do think oh, they, they, tore, they tore it down every time. No, I, never, I, no, I never saw them have a bad match. I mean, the, pro, the promos with Ricky Morton versus Jim Cornette would be fantastic. But I'm going with the Midnight Express as well. When I think of tag team wrestling, I think of NWA, I think of them. And then in WWE, I think of Park Foundation versus the Bulldogs is like the, the tag matches that I got the most excited for. It seemed like they always delivered. 
Well, and, I, and the thing is with both of those teams or all of those teams, their style is, I mean, they it wasn't just a bunch of big guys beating on each other. It was skilled wrestling going in there and the drop kicks and the moves and stuff. And I, that's just the style that I personally like. And that's why I wanted to set up these brackets. So you got like a power side and then more the, the technical side, but Scott, any more thoughts from you on this matchup with uh, rock and roll and the midnight express? No, just the fact that they actually had this. I mean, this was a legit matchup and we've seen it many, many, many times across different companies and independent scene as Christian brought up. I think we chose correctly. I think Midnight Express is the winner. All right. So Midnight Express wins bracket three, and we move on to bracket four, where we have the Hart Foundation versus Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Hart Foundation, all day, every day, twice on Sunday. So the best there is, their best there was, and the best there ever will be for now, right? Is that right, Christian? I got the Heart Foundation, possibly uh, a megaphone being hit Rick Rude in the back of the head. You know, that's that's a good point that you mentioned. We haven't really talked about Jimmy Hart and his importance in helping get those guys over because when the Hart Foundation first came in, I don't remember Bret Hart really being that great on the mic. He turned into a good promo guy, but Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart was so important to that team and getting them over. So definitely need to get some love to Jimmy Hart. So, all right, let me ask this question because, you know, in the Rick Rude, Manny Fernandez matchup versus Gino Hernandez and Chris Adams, we had a – it was a tough matchup, and I could have gone either way. Scott, what would be your, your take of a matchup between the Hart Foundation and Gino and Chris? Now, I think that would be a good matchup, but I don't think that either could – either Chris or Gino could match up with the power of the anvil. And you guys threw it out there. Jimmy Hart is the – as we said about Corny earlier, he's the X factor here. You know, Jimmy Hart's out there interfering. He might hit somebody with a megaphone. He may hold somebody's legs down when we go for a pin. You just never know. So I'm I'm calling Hart Foundation over them, but in a great match. Yeah, and I think that Gino Hernandez, I mean, his charisma was just unbelievable. And I think it'd be a really interesting matchup to see him against Bret Hart and Chris Adams as well, because Chris Adams was very technically sound, that great super kick. I don't think they'd beat the Hart Foundation, but I do think it'd be a very interesting matchup from the psychology and the charisma in the ring. Uh, it'd be a main event anywhere, any company. Yeah. All right, so moving on, a very, very tough 4-5 or five matchup here. We have the Hollywood Blondes with stunning Steve Austin and uh, flying Brian Pillman versus Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Love the match. Be a great match. One I'd, one I'd stay up to watch. And I've got the Horseman going over. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Horseman fan on this one. I think the Hollywood Blondes were completely underrated. I think they had a lot of potential. And unfortunately, management seen otherwise and broke them up. But I'm going with the Horseman on this one. I agree. Oh, let me throw one thing. I also think if I was booking it, Ric Flair may get involved somehow to give the horseman the edge also. Because if you remember Austin and Pillman kept coming out and calling Ric Flair a dinosaur and a fossil and really kind of brought him out of retirement. So I think booking it horseman style, I think Flair can play a factor in it. And then I also think the horseman beat down of Austin and Pillman after the match. Oh yeah. With JJ Dillon in tow. Yeah. But I think it'd be a really good match. Yeah. 
I agree with you guys on all of your points, and I, I also go with Tully and Arn winning that matchup. So we're moving on to a very interesting matchup of the Von Eriks versus Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. And it's interesting because you got two factions that were just way over in their respective territories with the Von Eriks being over in world class. And, of course, Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee in, uh, in Memphis. Ultimately, Kerry Von Erich did have a rivalry with Jerry Lawler as SWA came into play in the late 80s and you know the world-class versus AWA championship. So a lot of history between these these individuals. So, Scott, what's your take on this matchup with Yvonne Eriks versus Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee? I'm going to go with something that will be very unpopular if we've got any listeners in Texas land, but I'm, go- I'm going with Lawler-Dundee. And I'm not sure that this matchup never happened. I'm, I think this matchup may have actually happened at some point, but... Regardless, I'm going with Lawler and Dundee. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Well, I think it's important to point out that when Jerry Lawler put the AWA title up against Kerry Von Erich's world-class title, it was Jerry Lawler who went over at Super Brawl 3, giving us the unified title. I think there were some tag matches at the time, and I am biased to the USWA. And I am also given to Lawler and Dundee. Okay. Well, my vote would go to the Von Erichs. I was a huge Von Erich fan. You know, we'll talk actually, we'll probably talk about that Jerry Lawler, Kerry Von Erich match in the singles situation. But I've been outvoted, but I will say this you can't underestimate the importance of Jerry Lawler in the world of professional wrestling. I mean, what he did in the, the Memphis Territory and CWA, he was the top top guy over there, whether either a heel or a face. I mean, he had some just great runs. Uh, Scott, I mean, I know you were a big fan of Lawler as well growing up. Talk about the importance of him to you growing up. So Lawler, in one of our earlier podcasts, I think I brought up that really Lawler and kind of Dundee too, I mean, they're the reasons I got into professional wrestling, you know, and stuck with it. Wednesday night at the Coliseum, I've said it several times during this podcast, that that was local for, for us. That was the closest professional wrestling that, that we had where I grew up there in Western Kentucky. But Lawler, I mean, you know, before I got cable and, and before WWF really took over the the world, Lawler, I mean, he was the, the champ. As far as I was concerned, he was the guy. That was early, early 80s time frame. And to me, I think, and Cornette has commented on this in, in multiple interviews about early wrestling and how he got his start. Lawler helped Cornette get his start. And, you know, a lot of people questioned Lawler early on about why he didn't go on over to WWF. And, you know, as Cornette says, why the F would he? <laughs> he had his own kingdom. The guy was making three hundred to 400000 a year doing what he was doing, and he was he owned it. I mean, he he ran the show. So why do it? He, he was super successful where he was at. Yeah. And, Christian, I guess uh, you expand on that with Jerry Lawler because you had worked with him in the past. Interesting fact for you all, it ran in the sometime this week. It was the 30-year anniversary of when my father got Jerry Lawler out of statutory rape charges that occurred in Louisville. So I'm 42 now, so I was 12 then. And, man, Lawler was the man. Like, I mean, it was great. I mean, he, he would – anytime – McMahon needed to develop people. He'd send them down to work with Lawler. 
so it, it, it became awesome at the gardens on Tuesday. They, they, they bring down different guys from WWF to go for the unified title. They bring in like Sid Vicious, Lex Luger, Kamala. I mean, that's, I got to see all kinds of WWF superstars, you know, every Tuesday to come in against Lawler for a year or two stretch. And he would work with them, I was told, like on their promos and how to get heat and stuff like that. Man, Bill Dundee, if you're not from this area, there's no way you can appreciate how good Bill Dundee it was. But him and Lawler just used to, I mean, they tore the house down for probably 20 years straight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I didn't have a problem with them going over here. It's just, I was a huge Von Eric fan. I loved Kerry Von Eric and Kevin, not as much, but I mean, they were such a big draw in Dallas. But the thing is, is on the mic, those guys weren't as good as Jerry Lawler was. And so that's a big thing. And, you know, Kerry's injury in 86 from the motorcycle accident made him the re- not the same caliber of wrestler. I mean, he was still great. But, you know, Christian, you brought up that point about Super Clash 3 between Lawler and Kerry Von Erich. And the way they booked that match is, I mean, there was a, a big power struggle going on there. There was, you know, it was an AWA match, but yet you had world-class with Fritz Von Erich coming in with Kerry as their champion. They had CWA at that time. So they tried to keep Kerry strong, but he had Lawler in an iron claw, I mean, bleeding all over the place and everything. And they stopped the match because Kerry was bleeding too much. Kerry was bleeding like Stone Cold was at WrestleMania 13 against Bret Hart. And had the claw on the, had the, claw on the king. I remember it like it was yesterday. You're thinking the king's going to give up, but the blood's just gushing. Just gushing, and the rest stops the match and awards it to Lawler. Yeah. So, but I think from what I hear from that that matchup, I mean, they'd have the matches in Memphis, and they'd have the matches in Dallas, and of course, Kerry would be the heel in Memphis, and a lot of times lose there. Lawler would be the heel in Dallas and lose there. But Kerry went into that match, from what I understand from all that I've heard that Kerry was going into that match thinking that he was going to win and go over. And that Jerry Jarrett and Lawler, you know, they were trying to obviously push Lawler. And I think it was more Jerry Jarrett. They were like, hey, you know, and Vern Gagne, they didn't want Kerry to go over because he had drug problems. And they, they had issues with reliability and all that that they were really concerned about. And so it changed, like, just before the match started. So then Fritz was like, well, I've got to, we've got to find a way to keep Kerry strong. So they came up with that finish. But the whole idea with the blood, apparently Kerry had a blade in his right hand. And when they were like talking match strategy and all that, he scratched his arm with the blade and started bleeding. It just wouldn't stop. And so they kind of had to build that into the match. And, you know, luckily you have a guy like Lawler, who's just such a smart tactician and wrestler and storyline guy that they we're able to make it work, but that's the storyline. Just a, he's just, he's just, he's just a pro that he can probably make anything work. Yeah, so that that's a story behind that. And I remember when that match happened, I was so mad because I was a big Kerry Von Eric fan, and I was like, "This is you know, this is ridiculous," and and everything. Uh, I was so happy Lawler showing up on Saturday morning with that unified anyway title. So. Anyway, that's the story, and it's kind of surprising to me that that match didn't draw better, but the problem is they held that Super Clash 3 in Chicago, and 
the attendance wasn't as good. But if they held that in Texas or Memphis, it would have drawn for sure. But AWA being a Midwest territory, they wanted to have it in Chicago. But it, Yeah, and AWA was dying at that time. I might be mistaken, but I think Lawler was the last AWA champion. Uh, did he dro- I thought he dropped it to uh, Hennig. Yeah, I think he did. No, I think Kurt Henning was already in, he was already in WWF at that point. No, he won the AWA title from Henning. Remember when he remember when he does the he does the slingshot and Henning instead of hitting the turnbuckle hits the ring post. They it's always showed on USWA. I think Larry Zabisco had it after Lawler. I'll have to look that one up, fellas. <laughs> the him Henning match was awesome. It was really good. Yeah. All right. Well, moving along here, we've got a. A fabulous matchup coming up with the fabulous ones versus the fabulous Freebirds, and I think this is a this is a very interesting match because, you know, I didn't know that much about the fabulous ones because, and I don't know why in in Paducah we didn't get or maybe we did and I just didn't watch it, but I didn't really grow up watching all the Memphis wrestling and and stuff. And I mean, Scott, you were in Webster County, so it wasn't that far away. So, but I was more NWA and WWF. So I was a huge Freebird fan. And, of course, they were in Georgia Championship Wrestling and uh, World Class. But I was doing research on the fabulous ones because I knew about them. But they were a tremendous team in Memphis. So, Scott, kind of talk about their run in Memphis before we analyze this matchup. So fabulous ones. I mean, as, as we alluded to, I was a Memphis fan before I was anything else. And part of that is, as you said, you grew up in Paducah, which was more of a as I hate to say it, more of a metropolis than uh, Clay, Kentucky, which is where I grew up. So all we had was was local channels. We didn't have cable yet until around late 83. So at the time, the Fabulous Ones were like uh, rock stars, man, for for us. I mean, that's they were the, the popular tag team. They were the kind of the Rock and Roll Express before the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Rockers before the Midnight Rockers, and so on. They were popular with all the girls, all the ladies, and they they come out to Everybody Wants You by Billy Squire. They kind of represented rock and roll and and came out and was young and had a good look and were high flyers and and all that. So, I mean, they, you know, they kind of shaped that style of tag team wrestling from an early, early time. Christian, what was your thought on them? Because you grew up a Memphis wrestling fan as well. I liked them. I mean, I don't think to the degree that uh, Scott did, but... Because they, they would come and go. They would come in for a few months, leave for a while, come and go back. I mean, they were really, they were flashy. They paid look to them, and they both work. So, all right, well, they're matched up here against the Freebirds, and I've talked about the Freebirds quite a bit, so we know about their history and their success. So, so Scott, what, what's your take on this matchup with the Fabulous Ones versus the Fabulous Freebirds? As much as I liked the Fabulous Ones, I've got to go with the Freebirds overall for a lot of the reasons that Christian just mentioned. They were they were in and out. You know, they were highly popular. They got big pop, but Freebirds were just consistently good or bad, <laughs> as they may say, wherever they went, whether it was WCCW, USWA, NWA, WCW, they had a pop wherever they went, and they, they were significant. Whenever they showed up in town, they you know, it was going to be a hot ticket, so... Freebirds it is for me. What do you say, Christian? I like the Freebirds. I like the Fabulous Ones, but they're more of a of a local small town feel. They couldn't handle Terry Gordy's power. 
yeah, I mean, Gordy would be the the difference in this matchup. Um, I want to kind of touch a little bit on Michael Hayes, though, because he was one of the first guys. I mean, Hayes and Gordy, when I started watching, I guess it was Georgia Championship Wrestling, they were together, and it was with Gordon Soley. I mean, and Hayes was one of the first guys I saw who was just this great promo guy in the, the get you excited. Dude, he was just a rock star, just so much charisma. And I, I really was introduced to Michael Hayes before Ric Flair and uh, before even Dusty Rhodes because in Georgia was that territory, and Ric Flair would be like in the mid-Atlantic. So sometimes he would come down, but I really didn't get exposed to Ric Flair that much until like, 83, 84. So Michael Hayes was just a huge star for me. And I I just think he was just tremendous and wanted to give him some props here. So we have the fabulous Freebirds moving on. Now we're down to the final four in this bracket. I'm telling you what, the matchups here, I think the matchups in this bracket might be the best, the best matchups of the final four. You got the Hart Foundation versus Tully and Arn. Golly, what a matchup. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? I'm sticking with the Hart Foundation by 51% to 49%. Okay. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? This match is probably the most evenly matched tag team match that we've we've talked about. You've got Tully and Brett mixing it up. You've got Arn and Anvil mixing it up for power. You've got managers on the outside. It, it could go either way, but I'm I'm a true Horseman fan, so I'm sticking with the Horseman. Here's my here's my issue before then before you make the deciding vote. I think Bret Hart is is the better technical wrestler of Anderson or Blanchard, and I think the Anvil in his prime was much more powerful than Anderson. So I think the Hart Foundation have the perfect mix of technical wrestling and power. I agree with Christian on this. I think this is a A-level matchup in every sense of the word, but the reasons that Christian gave are the reasons why I picked the Hart Foundation. I I feel Bret Hart and the Anvil have the power and the size over them. I think Bret Hart can wrestle with anybody in the, who's ever laced up the boots. I think Jim Anvil has the power over Arn and Tully. However, I think the, the wrestling in this match is superb. I think the psychology and the promos going into the match are superb. The manager involvement is going to be great. If you have, and I guess in this match you have the Hart Foundation as the faces and Tully and Arn as the heels. But I mean, I don't think you can go wrong anywhere. But I, I just feel overall I would go with the Hart Foundation, and I feel like too the longevity with the Hart Foundation is there. Whereas Tully and Arn, they were with the Horsemen for you know a long time, but they didn't really start tagging until like eighty seven, eighty eight. Tully blew one stretch where they were going to get the tag titles by fail on the drug test of cocaine. Yeah. So that point when Tully wasn't able to come back to WCW, that was heartbreaking for me because that was just such a great team that they didn't get to continue. So for those reasons, I would go with the Hart Foundation over Tully and Arn. All right. So next matchup, we got Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee versus the Fabulous Freebirds. Scott, what's your take on this matchup? So I think this would be an excellent match. I think it would be a knockdown, dragout fight. I think the advantage in this situation would go to the Freebird because they always had the third guy out there, whether it be Buddy Roberts or uh, Jimmy Garvin. I, I think that the the Freebirds come out on top, but I think it's an excellent match. It could go either way. 
All right, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Put Lawler and Dundee over the Von Erics. The Von Erics, I'd say, pretty much had an even money feud with three birds. Uh, logic. And by, by, because I'm biased, I'm going with Lawler and Dundee. Yeah, and we know you're picking, so. All right, so I got to break the tie again. Well, I'm, I'm going to Freebird here. I, I think Terry Gordy is the difference in the match. I think he's too big and too strong for, for Dundee and Lawler. I think it'd be a great match, though. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to dispute that. I mean, Lawler took on people like Sid Vicious, Hogan, Kamala. I'm still going with the Freebirds. I think Jerry Lawler. I hear you. I can't argue it. Bill Dundee is not, is more of the local star. Anyway, and just so you guys know, because I was picking the Von Erics over Jerry Lawler, I was going to go with the Freebirds over the Von Erics in a matchup of two and three. Well, clearly when you had their music playing, we knew where your, where, where your loyalties lie. Well, and I, I, I it wasn't, I was going to pick them just because of the music. I was just trying to think of some teams that I really liked their song. So, and that I could actually play and not get sued. That was allowed basically as the, what we call the, uh, there's like a, a fair use doctrine for all the lawyers out there. So we included the music of the Midnight Express and the Freebirds because we were doing a, a story about them. So no profits being made off of their songs or whatever. But no, I don't think anybody's around to care. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So we have the Freebirds against the Heart Foundation. We have a very interesting matchup here. So, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? So this match would have sold out arenas anywhere in the continental U.S. and possibly anywhere else worldwide. However, and I know this isn't going to be popular with Ben, but I'm going with the Hart Foundation in this matchup simply because just the continuity of, of the team and just the longevity. Of, well, you can't say longevity because Freebirds were together forever, but just as pure tag team specialists, I'm going with the Hearts. All right, Christian, what's your take on this? Well, then I guess for the same reasons that we said Lawler and Dundee would have a hard time pairing up with Gordy. See, I think in this situation, the anvil is about equal with Gordy and the power department. And I think Red Hart, again, best technical wrestler in the match, no matter which combo the Freebirds you want to use. I got the Hearts, Heart Foundation going over. All right. No, hey, those are real, really good points because, I mean, if you have the matchup Bret Hart versus Michael Hayes, Bret Hart wins that. I mean, you know, Anvil and Gordy are both powerhouses in there. And Anvil and Gordy could fight 100 times and they could both win 50 of them. Yeah. I guess to kind of talk about the Anvil a little bit because, you know, Bret Hart normally gets the, the praise and rightfully so. But, I mean, the Anvil, he could move in there and he was he was a really good wrestler. I mean, he, he was definitely a tag team guy. He never really made it as a single. No, his problem was the substance. Like, I can tell you a story. Then I can tell you a story that, well, Scott, you'll know too, but his first year of law school and studying for finals, I would stay up all night, and I was at that Denny's on Eastern Parkway, and the Bulldog and the Anvil roll through. I see him sitting at the table, breaking up a rock of uh, of cocaine, of crack, and then going in the bathroom and, and doing it to wake themselves up. So that was uh, 
that was kind of odd for me because I'm, I'm barely seeing straight studying for first semester law school finals. And they, I think they had just come from a show in, in Rupp Arena and were passing through to go, I think, somewhere, I think maybe to Nashville. Anyway, so I guess my point is, is the Anvil, I think when he was more out on his own and I didn't have Bret Hart there as the training partner or the traveling partner, because you know it's well documented that Bulldog, Anvil, Tillman, I mean, we're all pretty heavy into the drugs. I don't think Bret Hart was up for steroids. I don't ever remember hearing about him having a recreational drug problem. So I think that's kind of why the Anvil was pretty much downhill after the Hart Foundation broke up. Yeah. Well, I, I would vote for the Freebirds here, but I've been outvoted on my own show two to one. So it is what it is. Now, would you would you really pick the Freebirds, honestly, over the Hearts? You know, I, I don't know, because the thing about it is, is as much as I, I love Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes, Michael Hayes was not even close to being the wrestler that Bret Hart is. And I think your point, Christian, about the Anvil kind of – I don't think the Anvil's better than Terry Gordy, but he's closer to Terry Gordy than Michael Hayes is to Bret Hart. And I think if I'm the booker in the match, I would still book the Hart Foundation to win because you could still have the Freebirds play their role like they did with the Von Erics. They go in there and rough them up a little bit and find a way to lose. But I think that would be the proper booking decision in a pay-per-view or a big match. I mean, the Hart Foundation, they were – they were a tremendous, tremendous team. I have no problem with the Hart Foundation winning there. So I just have to be consistent with being a homer for the, the Freebirds. I understand. The style was with uh, Lawler and Dundee. I may have put a Lawler-Jarrett team together, which which would have caused problems for some people, I think. Well, I, th- I thought about that because, honestly, in my first draft, I did have a bracket of uh, Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett. But – I just thought Bill Dundee for the, the Memphis fans was such a, an important wrestler and such a popular wrestler for a long time. I just thought I would pair up Lawler and Dundee. Lawler and Jerry. Well, I think you made the right call and winning the AWA title. But I do, I do remember at the Louisville Gardens when Brett and Owen would come down as heels, they'd have some great tag matches with Lawler and Jarrett who would just tear the roof off the place. All right, so we are down to our final four. We have the Road Warriors and the Steiner Brothers and the Midnight Express and the Hart Foundation. So basically all the number one seeds won their brackets, so chalk prevailed. All right, so let's start with the matchup of the Road Warriors versus the Steiner Brothers. Um, Scott, what's your take on this matchup? Oh, highly unpopular, and I'm sure I'll get outvoted, but I'm going Steiners over the Road Warriors. All right, why are you going with that pick? Because, as Christian made the point about the Outsiders and Harlem Heat, the Steiners and Road Warriors matchup actually took place, and the Steiners actually beat the Road Warriors multiple times. So I'm sticking with the Steiners. Love both teams, but quite honestly, and this may not be popular either, but these two teams are my top two teams of all time. Bottom line. Yeah. Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Uh, I got the Road Warriors going over. If I have to play a trump card, I'll play Paul Elring as being an X-Factor. And man, I'm sorry. When their theme song would hit in the 80s, early 90s, Legion of Doom, I mean, man, dude, they would just come out and just destroy and dominate teams. I loved them. 
don't get me wrong. I made the other choice, but I loved them. And coming out to Iron Man was awesome. I'm going to go with Christian here. I'm picking the Road Warriors. Like I said, I agree with all the points about the Steiner brothers and the Road Warriors. I think the Steiner brothers were big, strong, powerful. Scott Steiner's technical stuff was was great. I just feel like the Road Warriors, they transcended what tag team wrestling became in the 80s. I mean, you had a lot of teams in the early 80s like your your Briscoe brothers, your Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, the smaller teams and stuff. And even the bigger teams like a Sergeant Slaughter or Don Cronoda, they weren't these big powerhouses like the Road Warriors. I mean, the Road Warriors basically are, is when weightlifters started to become wrestlers. And I just thought they transcended tag team wrestling. They were over. I also think it's important to point out that they, I think they were the first tag team to bring tag team matches back to the main event of, of some cards. Hell, the match against the scaffold match against the Midnight Express. No matter how terrible it was, they named a Starcade after it, the Night of the Skywalkers. Oh, the, the Road Warriors, and I think it was 83 when they went to CWA or what became USWA, main evented against Lawler and Austin Idol. Oh, when Hawk when Hawk no sold Lawler's pile driver, the first person ever to got right up and no sold it. And then when when he did the drunk angle on WWF when Lawler was at commentary, Hawk stumbled out and he's like, Remember when I no sold your pile driver in the in the in the mid south Coliseum Lawler's like, get some help out here for this guy. <laughs> yeah. You guys were talking about intro songs, though. You got to mention for the Steiners, Welcome to the Jungle, too. Whenever they first started coming out, that was a big pop. See, you know what? All I remember is that terrible Steiner line, that WCW song. <laughs> That's true, but go back before that, in the late 80s when they first started coming out. I liked it better when they came out to Michigan's fight song with WWF. Dun, 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 dun. Was that Michigan's fight song they came out to? I think that's right. That was their big, big stick because they had the letter jackets and all that. Well, but I think when the Road Warriors came out too, I mean, they had the spiked pad. Well, they didn't have the spiked pads initially. It was like dog collars and chains and stuff. And then they eventually had the pads. But I just felt like they were the team that kind of changed it for me. And I think it's one of these like, you know, you could have two out of three matches and each team wins one and then the Road Warriors go over just so. Well, and then I think another thing you got to talk about, whenever I was working and Al Snow was the booker, he would always talk about who has the look? Who would you be scared of if you saw him in the street? Well, dude, you'd be scared to death if you, if you were had to fight Hawk and Animal. <laughs> no question. Yeah. I wouldn't want to run into Scott Steiner in the hallway either, but I, I get your point. I mean, that's that's the fear that they brought in. It was just a different demographic. All right, Road Warriors went over the Steiners and moves us to a matchup of the Midnight Express versus the Hart Foundation. So, Christian, what's your take on this matchup? Oh, this one's really tough because I really, I really, really, really want to pick the Midnight Express. But for various reasons that shouldn't matter. Number one, I think a Hart Foundation Road Warriors championship would be possibly the best main event we could have. Because I don't I don't recall ever seeing those teams fight each other, at least not in the primes. I think Jimmy Hart can cancel out Jim Cornette. Although Bobby Eaton is is good a technical wrestler as anybody. I think Bret Hart's still better. And 
the Midnight Express still would have a problem with the Anvil's power. Maybe it's because I was force-fed the WWF machine, but to me, the Hart Foundation had the look, had the talent, had the size. I'm going with the Hearts and close to a 60-minute match. All right, Scott, what's your take on this match? I'm going to wimp out and go with a double disqualification because I can't choose. Neither I can't choose. They all cancel each other out. I mean, it's the two managers cancel each other out. I don't know, man. It's it's tough. It's tough. All right. So I have to break a tie. Again, I, I'm going with Christian here. I'm going with the Hart Foundation. I agree 100% with Christian. If I'm a fan in the stands, I'm rooting for the Midnight Express. That's the team I, I like better. But from what Christian said is exactly right. I think Bret Hart wins over the matchup with, with beautiful Bobby. Even with Stan Lane from a technical standpoint, he's the best wrestler in the ring. I think the problem with uh, the Anvil and the power presents a, a challenge for them. That being said, you know, the Midnight Express could present some speed. But, I, you know, it's not like Anvil was a slow guy, too. So I, I No, he moved well back then before he, had, before he got the big gut. Yep. The only point I'll make on that one, though, is the Midnight Express handled power because they did mix it up with LOD. Yeah, but did they win that much against LOD? I mean, I know they fought them a lot. They presented a lot of problems. I'm not saying they won a lot, but they, they didn't just lay down. Yeah, but I'll go with the Hart Foundation here. But, man, I, I really want to pick the Midnight Express, too. But I just I think the matchup is... Yeah, I was the same way. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we have the Road Warriors versus the Hart Foundation in the finals. Uh Scott, you got to pick a winner here. Who are you going to pick? This one's easy for me. I'm going with the Warriors. Road Warriors all day. All right, why, why are you picking them? Just from, you know, what we've said so far about them. I mean, like I, I called the Road Warriors and Steiners as my top two. Hart Foundation is definitely in my top four to five. I, it's hard for me to, to pick. But uh, Road Warriors just outmatch them. Too much power overall. Too much Bret Hart could out-wrestle, but he couldn't out-brawl either one of them or match up power with either, either one of them. And both of those guys can match up power with the Anvil. So I'm going with the Road Warriors. What's your say, Christian? Well, then I'm going to take all of the theater out of it for you, unfortunately, because, I mean, we've been talking about is the Hart Foundation's wins. We've been talking about the Anvil's power. Well, unfortunately, the Anvil's power would be dwarfed by a Road Warrior animal. And and Road Warrior Hawk may be equal. Now, granted, Red Hart might be the, the best technical wrestler, but are Hawk and Animal even, are they too big for him to even do his moves and sell for him? I mean, he's going to have a hard time lifting them up to do, you know, his backbreaker and his, in many ways, I think the Hart Foundation against any other opponents, I might take it. I think it's just a terrible matchup for the Hart Foundation. I agree 100%. Yeah, I go with the Road Warriors as well. You know, on the point with Bret Hart and the technical wrestling, I would point out, though, Hawk could wrestle with anybody. I mean, Animal was definitely more power, and the he had the drop kick and the power slam and, and stuff, but Hawk could really go. I mean, he had some good singles matches with Ric Flair. So, I mean, to me, Hawk can match up with anybody. I know if he's going against a Ricky Morton or something, that's a, a, a speed matchup. But he just overpowers in, in that case. I, I agree. I think Road Warriors are just too dominant. And honestly, I feel that from this bracket, I think the Road Warriors win regardless of 
of who they're they're matched up here. I've got the Rutgers is the number one team of all time anyway. So I think regardless of the brackets and regardless of their the matchups to their opponents, I think they still the only teams I can see giving them problems are a couple of those super teams that aren't in this. So I mean, we're talking about just basic tag teams, not just two superstars thrown together. I, I think they come out ahead no matter who the the brackets are and who the matchups are. I'm going to mention a team that we didn't bring up because my my nephew. I talked to him about this before we did the show, and my nephew was upset that we did not throw the rock and sock connection in. <laughs> He's out of St. Louis. That was a 2000s team for me for my bracket, though. They were formed in 99, but that that was his technicality because I called the same thing, Ben. But he looked it up and said, hey, they were formed in 99. So I saw they were formed in 99, but I don't think they won. Number one, they were more of a comedy team. Like I said, I definitely consider them more of the WWF era that we're not talking about. Right. I agree. I called them a 2000s team, and then he Googled it and showed me that they – we're formed in 99. I'm just giving him a shout out. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting with the Road Warriors, going back to a team we talked about earlier, the matchup with the Outsiders and Hall and Nash. Let's say you had Hall and Nash, that team in the 80s, versus the Road Warriors in the mid-80s. I'm not so sure the Road Warriors get the push that they get because there wasn't really any other team that was this huge, big, powerful young team. I mean, you look at the Freebirds. The Freebirds had Gordy as a power guy, but Hayes was not. I mean, you didn't really have Ivan and Nikita Khrushchev or Ivan and Nikita Koloff until after the Road Warriors were formed. So Yeah, but Hall and Nash were terrible in the mid-80s. No, I know, but let's just say if you had the Outsiders in the 90s, that 90s team, but you had them in the 80s, in that era, if they were 10 years... I had them given the Road Warriors a lot of matchup. I think the Nash is a matchup problem for anybody. And Scott Hall, Scott Hall when he's on his A game, can go with anybody. Right. Well, that, that is, was my point, is if you have the Road Warriors coming in at the time when Hall and Nash are already there, I don't know that the Road Warriors necessarily get the push that they got. You know, another you know another interesting team, that since we're talking about it, that they weren't together super, super long, but HVK and Diesel, they were a 90s team, and I consider them, they were a strong team. I remember they had uh, the tag titles, and then that match there was a match where all the belts were online and they walked out of it with the heavyweight belt the intercontinental belt and tag belts they wanted to be in your houses and this was definitely the 90s because it's when they were still doing in your houses and it was before Bret Hart left yeah no that and that was some of these teams that because I was looking up like Money Inc just to you know kind of have when I was wanting to see their titles and things like that and as far as the history they did have the – I'm just kind of going through some teams in here. One that Christian brought up earlier that they didn't tag a whole lot, but they did tag some in the early 90s, possibly late 80s, was Nikita and Dusty. Yeah. Well, there were like a whole lot of these matchups, like a lot of the Dusty Rhodes matchups. I mean, Dusty Rhodes was with Nikita. He was with Magnum TA. He was with – you know, all these groups that they'd be together for like two or three months just so they'd have a battle against the, the horsemen or against the Russians or whatever. And so when I came up with this bracket, I was like, I was trying to go with teams that I considered like tag teams for a decent amount of time on that because like the mega powers with Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, you know, they were together for a little while. And 
you know, Roddy Piper and Bob Orton and different teams like that. I mean, St- the Sting, Lex Luger. I mean, you know, one that we did not bring up that was a WWF uh, mainstay for a, a quite a quite a while, and it was later in Andre's career, was the Colossal Connection with uh, Ming and Andre, or Haku and Andre. See, and here's my problem there. I was arguing about this on Madison Page and Ben were talking about at that point, if you remember, if you watched an Andre the Giant ESPN documentary, I mean, they even talked about they put in that tag team because at that point, Andre could barely move. Right. He, Andre was late. Yeah. Yeah. That I thought about that team, but, you know, for the reasons that Christian mentioned, I just didn't include them. I mean, the Islanders with Haku and Tama was a team from the w, uh, WWF days in the 80s I thought about putting in. Yeah. Look, they stole Matilda. With, with Heenan. So, I mean, that was a team I thought of. I did think of the Quebecers in the 90s, but then I thought, well. Big John Stokes. Yeah. So there are a lot of teams that I could I could put in here. I mean, I guess I could have removed some of these 16 seeds of power and glory and the dynamic dudes. And I was trying to go with matchups. Yeah, they, they were worth talking about. Hercules got a shout out. Yeah, we got to give Hercules something. So, it's hard. It's hard just to think all that stuff off the top of it. I mean, I didn't put in the big boss man and Akeem. I didn't put in, I guess they called them themselves the natural. None of those guys held the titles either. Yeah. Well, and one thing I wanted to make sure I did too is I wanted to make sure I had in guys who had held titles in the other territories, like the stud stable with Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden and, you know, some of those guys just mentioning them. But, uh, Anyway, the brackets kind of came out like I thought. I mean, I expected the Road Warriors to come out. I expected the Steiners to come out of bracket two. Though I, I was thinking, I was like, I mean, with Terry Gordy and, and Dr. Death, that team, my gosh, they were such a good team. But just from a longevity standpoint, I think we made the right pick in going with Steiners on that. You know, the, the Bulldogs, that's a team we could debate. And honestly, I probably should have put the Bulldogs in bracket three or four as a speed and power team, kind of like the Hart Foundation? I'd probably have the Dudleys and the Bulldogs both of the Steiners. Yeah. Yeah. But I definitely wanted to have that Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express matchup in bracket three, and that came out. I think I, I, need, I, w- I, would, I would do my history on Ole and Iron Anderson and see how long they teamed in what their title reigns consisted of. Yeah, that was one where – it's kind of like, well, which Arn Anderson team in the NWA do you want to pick? And I wanted to go with Tully and Arn. Minnesota Wrecking Crew, definitely worth mentioning. Well, the Tully was not because they were the one tag titles. Yeah. I mean, Ole and Arn Anderson were a, fa- a fantastic team. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I still think, even if they were a three seed, I, I don't think I would pick that team over the Hart Foundation. I don't know that I'd pick them over the Midnight Express or Rock and Roll. You could have a debate on that because they were pretty good. But at that point, you know, Ole was kind of toward the end of his career and everything. But they were obviously a great team. I mean, Ole was great in promos and, you know, a great mind for the wrestling game. But overall, I think our bracket came out pretty good. I guess the big omission that I, I definitely need to include for next year is Ivan and Nikita Koloff. We'll throw the smoking guns in there, Billy and Bart Gunn. Any other teams that you can think of out there that we just missed or, I mean, I still stand behind Luger and Sting. I guess I would have to look them up and see how long they teamed for. I think that was a good combo because they did hold the belts and they did 
mix it up with the Road Warriors, and, and they gave the Road Warriors all they could handle. And then they also mixed it up the Outsiders. Yep. I think that's a good good one to, to mention because they did have gold. Yeah, so I wrote them down. What was the uh, Russian – we were talking about the Russians out of the NWA. What was the Russian team out of AWA? Boris Zukov was one of them, and then I can't remember who the other guy was, but they were – Like Baron Von Raschke. And that, another good team that I did I, – I took off, there was – the Crusher and Baron Von Raschke from like the early 80s. But I just didn't think that many of our listeners would know as much about them. They were an older team. I didn't really know that much about them. I didn't watch that much. Baron was booked as German, though. There was actually a Russian team out of AWA, Boris Ukov, and I can't remember who the other guy was. And Boris eventually came over to WWF and teamed up with Nikolai. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah the Bolsheviks. Well, you know, if if we expanded even more into the 70s, one of the great tag teams of all time was the Blackjacks with Blackjack Mulligan and Blackjack Lanza. Yeah, I guess my, my problem is with this. You know, I was born in 77, so all I really know is just what I hear about the 70s teams. Yeah, well, that's, that's why it's kind of hard for me to include any 70s teams. And even with you know the discussion with the Briscoes, I just don't remember watching the Briscoes. At all? No, no. When I think when I think of Briscoes, I think of Briscoe and Patterson, the Stooges. But when I was doing the research and everything, it said I mean they were still tag champs in '83 and '84, and I was like, well, you know, if they're tag champs going that deep into the '80s, I've got to put them on there. And all the history, you know, rankings are they're that high. But like I wasn't familiar with them like I was the Fantastics or obviously the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express. So. Well, gentlemen, it's it's been a treat. We're almost at the four three and a half hour point, so I am going to have to sign off for now. I look forward to the next time, and thank you all for having me. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. I'll talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks for being on, Christian. Thank you. Take care. So that will conclude our bracket challenge of the 80s and 90s tag team wrestling bracket we hope y'all enjoy the show it was three hours but we had to go through 64 teams and kind of give them some credit here so anyway thanks so much for listening and hope you have a great week thanks for listening to this episode find us online at benandrodney.com and follow us on instagram at ben wilson miami